You probably know this. Those guys? You probably know We're we're broadcasting at such a high level right now. It's like I don't even know. I don't even know what's happening right now. <laughs> we're just we're crushing it over here so much. Um, so uh, yeah, so there is a um, there's a little band that I became really interested in in the late '90s, and we'll first introduce this, I guess. Sure. My name is Jeremy King. This is Jason Baker. I'm. Hey. We. This is our podcast. This is our podcast. Which we are not going to debate names of because the names sound like they're up in the air. And it's going to get embarrassing when we're 20 episodes in and still trying to figure out our name. That'll be the demise but, of the uh, podcast. That'll pod- be the demise of the podcast. Right. It's just we can't come up with a name. Uh, but the podcast theme is uh, Jeremy's into some bands. I'm into some bands. Mm-hmm. Those overlap a little bit. Yep. And uh, we're here to talk about them. The, uh, and we're going to talk about uh, one band-ish per uh, per episode. And uh, what do we got this week, Jeremy? It's out of your list. This week we have a little band known by the name of Kiss. And... Right. Um, I, I became interested in this band in the late nineties and it's, it's another one of these things that I do so well, which is I don't get into a band until they've been around for so long that like there's irrefutable evidence that they're here to stay. And right. kiss had a, uh, a big resurgence at that time. And that's what kind of got me interested in them. And then of course I saw them live and that was it. I was, I was hooked and they were, I, I love kiss. Um, I, I don't love everything about them. They have plenty of flaws, but their flaws are also something that I kind of admire and we'll talk about all that. Um, okay. But the, the way uh, this usually works that I like is uh, the, uh, the person who's not as interested in this band, which is you, your impressions of KISS. You hear KISS, what do you think and what do you know about this band? Right. So – we got a behind-the-scenes playlist that Jeremy and I are sharing. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll make it public sometime for the podcast. That uh, you know, Jeremy told me a week ago he's going to do Kiss, and he put a couple of Kiss songs on there. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the first track because when I hear your Kiss, I know of a little bit of like the stage, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the, the makeup, the stage antics. Uh, I saw the Gene Simmons like um, reality TV show, like several seasons of yeah. it. So I'm familiar like a little bit, but th- that really downplayed like like you were talking about an interview. I'm sure we'll get back to this where Gene Simmons's life is Kiss. Yeah. So you know, it, it, but it really showed and focused on sort of the business angle of his life, oh, yeah. not so much of the like I'm on tour, let's go see everything that's going on tour and all the. It was not, it was not musically technical, which is like a little bit mm-hmm. bumming out because it's like really in depth of like how he spends a lot of his time mm-hmm. dealing with like literally merchandising deals. Like Kiss is a huge brand or whatever, so I'm familiar with a little bit of that. I'm not familiar with like the names of them. I, I know of like one of them's called Star Child. Yeah. I know there's a guy named Ace Freely. <laughs> I know there's been like a rotation of people. Gene Simmons, as far as I know, is the only dude. The song that I knew from them is the I Want to Rock and Roll all night yeah song. didn't put that on the list because um, i figured you, you knew that one already right i did know that one and then uh let me look at the list really quickly there was another one 
that you put, I think, yeah, Strutter. I was, I didn't know that was them. Okay. Uh, I had heard, uh, and I'm sure we'll cover this one in depth. Uh, especially, I, I just wasn't sure what it was about. It's called uh, "Lick It Up." Yeah, uh, I, I had heard that song, mm-hmm. and I'm sure I'm sure I probably in passing have heard Detroit Rock City. Mm-hmm. I've heard covers of it. I think Everclear uh, covered it once, but I but yeah, all the rest of them I did not know at all. And it was it was interesting listening to them because, um, in particular, "Lick It Up" reminded me of a Spinal Tap song called "Lick My Love Pump," which I'm not sure if that's related. <laughs> But it seemed like the whole middle section of that movie, you know, like Jane was talking to me about this. Her, her parents were way into Kiss and glam rock in general yeah. and, you know, hair rock and all that. Um, and as she was talking about it, I was realizing like the whole middle section of Spinal Tap is based on, I thought maybe glam rocks or whatever. But like, I, I can't help but think a lot of it is literally on this band in particular. Well, I- like there was stuff that seems like it's just completely in line yeah. with what this band seems like. You sent me a video on YouTube. I guess that's the last part uh, that was like a live show. Mm-hmm. And you told me to watch a couple of uh, songs. I wound up watching maybe three or four of them, like kind of scrolling through and seeing um, there was, there was like a second guitarist who was uh, the lead. Yeah, or something, yeah, yeah. And he, and he was like way not into it in the first song. <laughs> and so I scrolled to see like, does this guy ever come alive? Or is it like that? He's just one of the extras. And he's like, fuck it. I don't care. I'm the seventh version of this guitarist mm-hmm. or whatever. But um, um, it's that's kind of my my understanding. They're like I don't even know if they're seventies or eighties or whatever. They've been around forever. I do know they went through a non makeup yeah. phase that Jane mentioned, and I think we can get oh, to that yeah. later too. Oh, yeah. That was very amazing. Um, but yeah, that's 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 my uh, knowledge of them. A yeah. uh, lot of bands have said uh, that I know say that uh, everybody goes through a kiss phase. Or something, and what was interesting about that when I was looking at this is like I guess as a kid seeing like the stage antics and yeah. stuff, the full makeup, these costumes, all this like blowing fire and crazy stuff, that could get kids into a type of music. But when I listened to the music, I was like a lot of the songs. I was like, this is like maybe a little bit distorted. Uh, Grateful Dead is what it reminded me of a lot. It, it's like it seemed like very. Um, it's not yeah. classic rock. It, it's like a, it seemed to me like a reaction to intelligent rock, if that makes sense, to like college rock being like Pink Floyd and Zeppelin a little bit, going, yeah. like really full of yourselves kind well, of music. And it seemed like uh, to me, I've heard, like I was saying, I've heard artists in passing mention everybody goes through Kiss phase, yeah. and of course, Kiss is one of our influences or whatever. I don't really know what that means, but <clears throat> just listening to the music, I'm, I'm very curious about. Um, that style of music, did these guys kind of make that style? Were they just playing something that existed? Or? Yeah, I, I think it's interesting because I, I heard someone describe Kiss one time as a band that like 13, 14 year olds could get into, which is like a little bit before you get really into music, right? Because don't you get really right. into music around maybe 15, 16, 17? And Kiss, right, exactly. because of all the, you know, the, like you say, the antics, the, the stage show, the makeup. Kiss was like rock and roll music that like younger kids would get into, but then it stuck right. with them. And what's what's interesting is, you know, you say what one thing you said was funny was like that video you watched and like that one guitar player is like kind of not into it. That was sure. the first show for all four original members in 17 years. That guitar player, that <laughs> so was his he, first time. He's there for the no, that was, He was that, the that last was, one they could convince to come, right? That was his right? first. And no, it was, he was actually really into it. 
because uh, he said like his daughter had never seen him play before. Like, she, I mean, 17 years, like he had like a teenage daughter who had never, like she'd seen pictures, but she had never seen him perform with Kiss before. And, and it was, well, a, it was to, a tiger, it was credit, a tiger he, stadium. There's 50,000 people there. It's their first show back together. We're going to talk a lot about what led up to this moment. Cause that's a sure. huge moment. But, in the band. Uh, huge moment. I just wanted to mention, I just wanted to mention to his credit, he did warm up. Yeah. Like he, he became more fluid and loose a few songs in, mm-hmm. which is like, it's not uncommon. Well, I mean, also first, first song out of the gate, everybody's like that guitar, him, that so. guitar player is ace freely. He's known as space ace. He always kind okay. of looks disinterested. He always kind of looks wasted. Sometimes he is. When I saw them, oh, when okay. I saw them in Fort Worth a couple of years later, uh, after one of the songs that he sings, he said, like, thank you, Houston. <laughs> like he, yeah. he's, he's just that kind of – he's just space. I mean he's very his, – his character in Kiss – very much matches his personality almost more he just than is yeah. spacey he okay. always looks like he's kind of not trying but he's kind of revered like people people really respect him as a guitar player um well and he's the other one i've heard the name of. Yeah. i didn't know he i figured he because like there were i looked at the uh lick it up video mm-hmm. And there was two yeah. guys that were like really in the front and then two guys who looked way younger. Yeah. Maybe this is, you know, you'll get into this, like yeah. about changing personnel or something. And it was like Gene Simmons, obviously. And then this other guy that I'm not sure what his name was, but I figured that was, you know, the famous Ace yeah. Freely that I've heard of. No, a- Ace not. was not in Lick It Up. He was not in the band at that time. Um, and he's not in the band now. Um, he's, he's okay. the, so this is, so let's, let's start here um, at the beginning as we normally do. Um, there's, there's four names that you need to know, uh, for kiss. And and that is Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, who's the star child. And and Gene Simmons, by the way, is the demon. That's his character. Okay. So star child being that he's got a star on his eye and the makeup. Okay. That's Paul Stanley. Uh, Gene and Paul, it has been their band from the beginning. Like they met when they were basically teenagers in New York and it has been their band. They have been the only two consistent members from the very beginning to now. Neither okay. one of them have left. They are both brilliant businessmen, um, which is funny how you talk about a rock band and you mention they are brilliant businessmen first. Um, sure. Because that's part of what, <laughs> what people hate about KISS, um, you know, some people, but it's also a part of what has made them what they are. Um, and then you have Peter. Yeah, I was, I was, sorry. I, I, I got to say on that theory, I mean, definitely any band that's like lasted a long, long time, probably pretty good business people, right? Pearl yeah. Jam is a lasting band, band or brand, sorry. Mm-hmm. And Metallica, obviously, right? Looking at that Some Kind of Monster documentary, that was totally about what the business of being yeah. in this band well, is. Well, and I, I, would, you know, I, I anyway. would argue any, any band, you don't have to have makeup in a huge stage show to, to sure. build an image. And Kiss right. has just been much more open and overt about building their image. Right. Like they will just tell you, like we are building our image. Like that's what they're we're trying to capitalize. We're trying to make money. They are very open right. about that. Like they have never right. made any bones about it. They are in it for the money and the girls and they're like that's and 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 is that where they came from? Was being in it for the girls and the whatever notoriety no, and okay. stuff rather than ever ever so being sort of like let, art? We talked about yeah, James Addiction last yeah. weekend and like they were, the lead singer and some of the members were like so preoccupied with the concept of making sure. art that's going to like last in like history 
that they didn't give a shit about record labels no, and record deals. I, and... I have thoughts on that, and we'll talk about that. But let me okay. go back to the first okay. the four members. So you have you have Gene sure. Simmons, Paul Stanley, uh, the Demon, and the Star Child. Then you have Peter Chris, the Catman. He's the drummer. Um, okay. And you have Ace Freely. So these okay. are the four original members of Kiss from the beginning in the early okay. '70s through the early '80s. And this is what is considered like true Kiss. Now. Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons have both said through the years that KISS is not just one member. In fact, KISS is basically four characters. And, you know, Paul Stanley has said very openly, as long as it looks like KISS and sounds like KISS, it's KISS. <laughs> and and he, he said, like in his book, he said, no one person is bigger than the band, and that includes me. Like, the character is, is, is KISS. The Star Child. So right. someday, I honestly think he and Gene Simmons envision a day where none of them will be around and Kiss will still be right. around. Like they really, I think they really <laughs> feel that way, that it's the characters that they've created that that is That's Kiss. Crazy. It's like a brand, like like a corporation. Yeah. Like it's like the Beatles decide they don't want to do it anymore mm-hmm. and the Beatles is still making new albums. Yes. That's but But crazy. what's amazing to me is that how many other bands do mm-hmm. we know that have done this, but they're not so open about it. There's not one original member of Pink Floyd, you know, that last tour they did in the early nineties. Um, you know, the main songwriter, Sid Barrett left long ago, Roger Waters, the next main songwriter, he was gone. David Gilmore and then was the main guy and he didn't join the band until like several albums in. And so how, you know, I, Kiss, that's not true. I think the drummer was there all along. Yeah, right? he was, and, and the keyboard player was there. But I mean, he'd been fired and brought back and all that. But the point is, you yeah. know, we've talked about this before. In that, at what point do you decide that the band is no longer there? This was the same conversation with Sticks. Like, it's yeah, none exactly. of the same people. Um, yet <laughs> right. people still go see them in droves. Um, and and that's right. Kiss. So you have those. Well, the, the ugly the ugly thing of it is, you know, there are like courtroom proceedings of like signing over the rights to the brand the yes. band on contracts oh, yeah. like okay dude here you go now you own the band the the trademark of sticks no, the, the journey know. like the band journey just sued each other like they all just like the keyboard player and the drummer i think just like split off and sued and and got steve perry who's not in the band anymore but still has like a voting right he got them to join okay. their side and like so that they could outvote the other current members of Journey, like it's insane. The it's business, like the business meeting. of this stuff, and it is. These are multi-million-dollar companies, is what they are. Right, the difference yeah. is, Kiss is more open about the fact that we are a multi-million-dollar company. Like they just, they don't care. They're fine with that. They're perfectly okay with right. that. So you have those four guys that are the main members of the band, and what I'm not going to do because we don't have time, and frankly, it's just too much. It's not that interesting. All of I'm not going to go through like, and then they replace this guitar player with this guitar player. No, sure. I'm not going to go through that sure. in detail, and I'm not going to go album by album because I think the bigger sure. overarching story is a lot more interesting. Sure. Um, okay. Then, then just and then they released this album in 1978, and then can we when we get to it? Can we focus in on the song? Look it up. We will, and we'll, we're also going to take okay. some time on music from the elder, uh, which okay. is very important. Um, Okay, okay, so great. these guys, so basically Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley, and by the way, the Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Ace Freely, Peter Chris, those are none of their real names. 
Like they all, <laughs> what? they all, they, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like meta to the second yes, level. It's like, meta. I got a stage name yeah. and my stage name has a stage mm-hmm. name. Yes. So when I sign over the name Gene yes. Simmons to you, well, you... So Gene Simmons, Gene Simmons, like his, his, he was, he, he was born in Israel. He was born like Israel and right. his, uh, he took his mom's name. And so when he moved to uh, New York, when he was eight, uh, his last name was Klein, and so his name is Gene Klein. Um, right. I think Gene. Yeah. Gene, Perry Farrell is like Perry Berkowitz. I, or I something. think Gene was always and like even up into like the eighties was real conscious about seeing being the band itself as being seen of being like too Jewish, and right. to the point where like when they hired another guitar player in the eighties and he had a really Jewish name, like Gene made him change it. Like Gene was like, "No, you are Vinnie Vincent." Uh, Oh like, goodness. yeah, he, he like, he's, <laughs> so Gene was Gene Klein. I, I don't know off the top of my head all their other original names, uh, but, the, you know, those are the guys. So Paul and Gene met through some mutual friends in New York in the early 70s. Um, Paul okay. said in his book, and another thing, interesting thing is every, the, the four original members have each written autobiographies, and there are some discrepancies that are really fun. Um, yeah, that's half the reason I read this Anthony Kiedis. Yes. He just posted one. Yes. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah. what, tell me this. Uh, did these guys have any bands beforehand? Mm-hmm. Like anything of note? Uh, no, nothing of note. No. They were, they were all okay. kids. All right. They were kids. They were okay. – um, um, Gene um, had basically – Like 15-year-olds when they're meeting and starting? No, I say yeah, 18 to 20. Um, so Paul, you know, Paul was a guitar player. Paul, um, he's a, he's a rhythm guitar player. Even back then, like he saw an ad for a band for a lead guitar player and he's like, Nope, not me. I'm a rhythm guitar player. Like he's, he's very, um, honest about his abilities and knows that that's not him. He's a rhythm guitar player. So, um, he, through a mutual friend meets Gene in his book, he basically describes it as Gene was cocky, arrogant, um, (laughs) He had written his own songs and thought they were great, but they were so cheesy and terrible. And they were so like one of the songs was like, my mother is the most beautiful woman in the world. (laughs) 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 Like they were just terrible. But he said when Paul had written some songs, too, and we played them for Gene and Gene had a big reverence for the Beatles. Uh And when he played when Paul played his songs for Gene, Gene had a like he looked offended and almost a little angry that anyone other than John Lennon, Paul McCartney, or Gene Klein could write a song. Like he couldn't believe that there was like another guy in New York who could write songs. And just to reiterate, this story is from the point of view yes. of the person who is aligning himself with Paul McCartney and John Lennon. Yeah, as... yeah, absolutely. It's <laughs> Paul Stanley. Now you'll find through through the through all of this, Paul Stanley. He's the guy that, like, if you want to be friends with someone in this band, it's Paul Stanley. Like, he is the most grounded, the most level-headed. He's the smartest. He is – he's the most – probably the most talented. Um, he's the guy who really gets it more than any of the other members. Um, so he – you know, he he meets Gene. Um, Gene invites him to play with, like, a band that he's already in. And, and you know, these two hit it off. They just they, – they kind of become friends. They're just two Jewish kids in New York. You know, that's, that's what they are at that point. Um, they, there's an ad in the village voice, uh, from a drummer that says like expert drummer looking for rock and roll band. And so they call him and it's Peter Chris. They have like an audition. And so then it's Gene, Paul and Peter and they're 
Okay. They become a band. And then um, they have a band first called Wicked Lester um, that doesn't really do anything. They recorded like a demo album. It didn't go anywhere. It didn't even get released. But that's part of the Kiss story is that first they had a band called Wicked Lester. Um, That doesn't really happen. Well, then they placed in. Did those songs? Did those songs get dropped? They, you know, like a yeah, lot of the bands have question. an early band. They they don't they don't go on and evolve the songs. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. I've never heard them. I assume they're probably out there somewhere, but I've sure. never heard them. Um, yeah. And so then they see an ad in the Village Voice for uh, no, they I think they placed an ad in the Village Voice. Which, my God, if I could go back to the early 70s in New York, I would be reading the Village <laughs> right? Voice every – how much cool shit went down in the Village Voice. Right? Little band called Joy Division. Oh, man. Or yeah, crazy. Right? Like, what the – So they placed an ad for a lead guitar player. And they have this, like, loft apartment in, in you know, the Bronx or something. And – this kid, this really lanky kid with long hair and two mismatching shoes comes in with like a cheap guitar and amplifier and he plugs in and he just starts wailing and that's Ace Freely. And they're like, holy shit, this guy is unreal. He's great. And So he's like a savant with a yeah. guitar but like spaced yes. out in every other yes. regard, like just completely like falling apart. Yeah, okay. there's a theme throughout this story that Gene – especially likes to paint Ace as being kind of lazy, um, sure. which may have some truth to it. Um, right. But that's that's the band. They they all join up together, and it's very organic. Like, it is very, like, no, they're just kids looking for other kids to play with. And they okay. wrote their own songs. Gene and Paul were huge fans of the Beatles, um, so they wanted it to be that structure. Um, a bass player, which is Gene, a rhythm guitar player, which is Paul, um, uh, a lead guitar player, which is Ace, and a drummer. And okay. his idea, their, their idea was like, everyone's going to sing. Um, the lead guitar player is going to sing some songs. The drummer will sing some songs. But Gene and Paul are going to do most of the singing. Very much right. Beatles-like. Very right. Beatles-like. So um, yeah, yeah. they, like, the origin of, like, the makeup and the big light show is pretty early on. We're basically okay. they're in like a really crowded New York music scene and glam right. glam rock bands like the New York Dolls and things like it's becoming a little bit more outrageous in New York at the time. And they just decide like we have to stand out from the crowd somehow. Like we have to do something to differentiate ourselves because we're not that good looking. The music is okay, but I mean it's not gonna like blow anybody's socks off by itself. So they start wearing this make- – like it's literally like their third show that they start wearing makeup and they bring like dry ice and they have these lights and like they start this right away. So apparently David Bowie started it looks like in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody like that who's like a little bit of the inspiration for how the stage is like – the stage performance is out of control? Or- I don't know that there was anyone they looked at. I think it, the, the okay. problem is they looked and they didn't see anything like – what was in their head. Like they, That's they true. looked and they were like, we need something totally different from what everyone else is doing. And we see right. the direction this is going. It's getting bigger and bigger, bigger and bigger. We need to be bigger. Like we need to get ahead of this and be bigger right. and more outrageous um, than right. anyone else. Peter Chris uh, is who said like he played with a band one time called lips. And that's what gave them the idea for a band called kiss um but but they just thought like it would stand out and there's like 
you know, if you read all four biographies, there's four different stories of who came up with like the iconic kiss logo. Um, right. But all of them come back to basically it was Ace Freely in the end. Like he's the one who did it. Um, right. So they, they get noticed kind of right away by record labels and they okay. get signed. Um, like in those early days, obviously they're not blowing fire or whatever or something, but just like they're on makeup and they have, or sorry. Yeah. On stage in makeup and like have costumes. I, like yeah. That. Yeah. Costumes, makeup, not as outrageous as what you see today. If you see pictures of it, it it's not quite so crazy, but it is absolutely like, it, it's a band that's obviously trying to do something very outside the box. Yeah. Very provocative. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they get signed pretty quickly. Um, they gain a little bit of like popularity in New York just from their shows. Um, and they get signed and they like their first, they like they make their first album. It comes out. Um, it is like a mild success. There's like Strutter is on that, is on that album. Um, right. But they're like totally a performance show. So I got to imagine it does better after they start performing. Yes. Right? So what happens is, they start like touring, you know, now they have a record label behind them they can start really touring the U S and they can put some more money into this show and they start gaining kind of a live following and right. their radio success is very mild to say the least, especially their first two albums. Like it's, they never had any like big hits or huge success. In fact, I think okay. Rock and Roll All Night was like on their second album, but it didn't really make much of a splash when it first came out. It's like the last song in the album, and it's like it didn't make a big, you know, it wasn't a big hit when it first came out. But they're, they okay. gain a following live, and they're going all over the U.S., um, and it, like they are the band that Rush credits for breaking them in the U.S. Like Rush okay. got on the bill opening for Kiss at some point. And, um, you know, Rush started to gain some traction by touring with Kiss. Um, and they're... So just for reference, that this first record, the one that looks like it has Strutter on it, um, 1974. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, about. yeah. Okay, all right. Which, I mean, you think Rush, they started well, making I, I, their, I, their strides around that time as well. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I... You know, their first couple albums are just there's there's not much happening, but their live show is really gaining some steam because it's 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 an attention getter. Um, their record label is about to go bankrupt and is about to drop them because they're going bankrupt. And okay. Kiss puts out a live album, which is weird for a band to put out a live album without a huge hit. But the the okay. live album is massive. Like it comes out and it hits immediately and it is like a big hit. It, it saves the record label from going bankrupt. It like, it's huge. Um, and they like, now they're a hit. They've made it. Like the story is so weird of like, it sounds so easy, but it was all about the show. Like it was all about the live show. And that first live album is, I think generally considered to be one of the better live albums. So one of the funny things about it is that they make this live album and the story now that they all kind of admit to is that they basically re-recorded all of those songs in the studio. <laughs> after, <laughs> Of course. <laughs> like they went in and they re-recorded vocals and guitar solos and 
I think they've all tried <laughs> to downplay how much they overdubbed it um, after right. the recordings. But I think they basically <laughs> said, now, no, we like, and they, I mean, I get the point, like who wants to listen to like a missed note over and over and over again. Um, True, but, right. And I, they're not the only band that did that, but they're probably one of the only no, of bands course. that really kind of admits to it. Like, like, no, they went into the studio and just re-recorded those songs with the crowd noise, basically, is what they did. Um, right. But it's a hit. It's huge. And they become, um, now, now they're, they're popular. And now they, they get a couple more albums out. They have a couple more hits. Uh, the song Detroit Rock City, was that familiar to you at all? I, like I said, I, heard, I think I heard a cover of okay. it before. It was by Everclear yeah. for like a for a movie by the same name in the nineties. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, interesting. Uh, but I, but I don't think I've ever heard okay. the original. So, like, they have a um, they start to gain this really loyal following. Um, okay, people start showing up to their shows like dressed up as Kiss, right? Like makeup hair, costume, like this is where the KISS army, as it's called, is formed. Okay. Um, and they are like, they reach a point like in the mid 70s where like they are without question one of the most popular bands in America. Right. So, it, you know, their story, I think at that time is not necessarily quite as interesting because it's just the normal trajectory of a band. They keep releasing albums. They keep having hits. They keep doing huge tours. Everything is kind of humming along just fine. What's happening in the background at that time is that you have two guys who are absolute pros, which is Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley. And you have two guys who are almost like the stepchildren, which is Ace Frehley and Peter Chris, even though they've been there from the beginning. Um, Right. If you read the book, especially Gene Simmons is especially hard on both of those guys. Um, Basically talking about how unprofessional they were, how much of an alcoholic Ace Freely was, um, that Peter Chris really wasn't that good of a drummer and they were always having to work with him, like put in extra time to get the parts right. Um, And he wasn't really that dedicated. Um, Peter is kind of painted as a complainer. Um, just never happy with the money, never happy with anything. Um, Ace is painted as kind of lazy, just doesn't like to put the time in. Um, you know, it's just, you know, that there's a divide that starts to happen within the band at this time. Okay. Um, is this when those autobiographies? No, 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 no. These all came out in the last like 10 years. Okay. No. okay. How's I say that? That would that would that would do it. But what's also happening is the merchandising starts happening. Mm-hmm. Gene Simmons starts like licensing everything, and Kiss right. starts selling like toys and lunchboxes, and they become like yeah. they start they sell the masks for Halloween. Um, they start to merchandise absolutely everything and make no apologies for it. Like they right. just become this big commercial band. That, you know, their point was, and I see their point, like, you know. Is this, because, you know, when when Jane and I were listening to it, I thought, and I realized, like, is Motley Crue just Kiss 2.0, like, you know, second wave, where, like, there was this this whole movement right before grunge happened, where it was, like, this sort of 
anti-punk mm-hmm. like let's just kind of keep on rocking and like just live the excessive lifestyle and celebrate that and stuff like is this kind of the genesis to that a or? little bit except kiss created an image around that motley crew really lived that um, okay okay kiss during this time i would argue were you could argue that the that, that Ace and Peter were I mean they were just guys in a rock and roll band but Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley from day one have been absolute pros like this is what they do they are not going to fuck it up they are not going to get on stage loaded they're not going to show up late to shows like they are, are they do they have they are, histories of any alcoholism drug problems at all those not two, the, not those two not Gene Simmons very famously like has never done drugs or drank like what? never. Yeah. Which is quick. You see kiss and you just think, man, these guys live a life of excess. Gene Simmons. Right. These guys party all the time. Gene, they literally have a song yeah, about party every yeah. night. Gene Simmons actually at this time in the mid seventies goes on a talk show like the, you know, well, one of those, not Johnny Carson, but one of those, you know, one of those late night talk shows. And, um, there's another one. There's an older uh, female actress who's like on the show that same night, and Gene okay. Simmons goes on this show, and they so they they wear the makeup. These guys at that time wore the makeup at all times. Like if they were going to be seen in public, they always wore the, the costume and the makeup. Their faces were not seen, and it's kind of like a like it was a thing. Like no one knew what Kiss looked like. Yeah, so yeah, so true. Gene Simmons goes on this talk show and he is like a uh, like he's the demon, right? So he's <laughs> he's kind of got this character that he's playing. So like, so like Daft Punk is the same like concept, right? You I mean you can now with the internet mm-hmm. age find you know a photo of these guys. Yeah. They're like French guys and they're just regular looking yeah. dudes or whatever. But like their persona and anything Daft Punk like ninety nine percent of the world is like those guys. Nobody knows. Well, what so right? so Gene goes on this talk show. And yeah, no one uh-huh. knew what they looked like. No one knew their real personalities at all. And th- okay. but this older woman, think someone like Betty White today, like this older okay. actress. I don't remember who it was, but she right. goes, she goes, you know what? Under all that, I bet you're just a nice Jewish boy, <laughs> and he, which he was. And he kind of looked at right. her and he goes, "Oh, if you only knew." And he goes, she, she goes, she goes, honey, I know you cannot hide that hook, meaning his nose. Is <laughs> He, in his book, he writes like she was absolutely right. Like I did not live anything like the life that people thought I did. I was just a nice Jewish boy. Like that's right. the only thing was Gene Simmons. So Ace Freely was probably an alcoholic. Gene Simmons undeniably is a sex addict. Um, right, he, right. And he a famous uh, one. I do remember oh. when growing up, just hearing over and over again that he's like in competition with like massive NBA stars oh, yeah. of like, I've fucked 5,000 women. He claims or that, yeah, like, he claims the number is 5,000. And, and he talks very openly in the book about how, um, he would see an attractive woman, you know, backstage and just walk up to her and say, would you like to, he calls it have a liaison. <laughs> would, you, would you like to have a liaison in my hotel later? And he would have someone from the crew. Yeah. He would have someone from the, he would have someone from the crew, like get her a key. And like, that's what he would do. Like it was no, there was no game at all. It was just, <laughs> do you want to have sex with me? Um, that's what he did. And no bones about it. No apologies. That's what he did. He has, Today, no apologies about it. Um, right. Doesn't doesn't feel bad about it. That's just that's what he did. Um, and so, 
so this time is is interesting because they're like they're merchandising. Kiss becomes bigger than the music because they become right. characters. They are truly characters at that point. Um, right. Gene and Paul have this. Like, crucially, it's interesting. The, I wouldn't say, I mean, like, Lick It Up, maybe we're coming up to here or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the rock and roll all night and strutter and stuff, like, real safe. Mm-hmm. You know, Cheap Trick is another thing that I thought of, which maybe Cheap Trick is, you know, a kiss alike that came out a little bit later, like, mm-hmm. a little bit fun or something. Um, kids are into this, right? Yeah. Like, once the, the cartoon character kind of facades come, I imagine, like, parents are bringing their kids to the damn show. It's, it's a circus, Oh, yeah, right? it's a circus. And the songs, the so, songs are not bad. Like they sound like they could be like one of their hits is called deuce. And it's like, okay. you know, your man is working hard. He's worth a deuce. Now I hear that. And I could think, does he mean threesome? Like, what does he mean by that? Like, <laughs> right, he, right, but, right. like when asked about that song, like they were like, it doesn't mean anything. Like sometimes words just fit. And the song, the song doesn't, <laughs> the great. song doesn't mean anything at all. Like you'll never hear oh kiss God. be like, this song is about like the Lebanese liberation army and their struggle <laughs> is like, they're not, they're right. not Don Henley. Right. Like Don Henley. We're kind we're, of, we were getting, we were reading comments yes. a whole bunch. No, 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 really no. Sure. Their songs are about like just getting laid and playing rock and roll music. And that's all they right. sing about. Um, okay. So they're, the merchandising thing is happening. They have this idea. This is, this is where kiss starts to become something that they didn't want to be because, and this persists to this day, because to this day, I don't know if there's a band that has more of a polar opposite opinion between Americans. Um, You have people who are like dedicated to kiss 100%. They think they're like the greatest band ever. They've got tattoos. They show up to shows um, in, in their makeup and costumes. And then you have people who think kiss are an absolute joke. Um, well, like, are they, are they the quintessential or even the original commercial rock mm, band? Very, very, you know? I mean, very, I, that's the, the thing. Cause yeah. it seems like everything that like grunge movement was yeah. crying about was, you know, it was sort oh, yeah. of the Motley Crue, which is a derivative of it. But like Led Zeppelin wouldn't be caught dead saying we got into it to, you know, make to a make brand, money and make you know, it, yeah, whatever, make, right? yeah, no, I, I think you're, I don't know of any other examples of that. I'm sure someone could, could find one. Like but Nickelback, right? Nick, Nickelback is that for our generation. Nickelback has kissed, you know, 2.0. I mean, except, case, except right? Nickelback sucks. Um, that's the difference. Okay, right. But I mean, like, in terms of the corporate yes. rock, like, metaphor, right? I mean, there's not, like, Nickelback, you know, whatever, uh, merchandise all over no. the place. They're not, like, cartoon characters, yeah. other than how they really are cartoon characters in real life yeah. or whatever. But, I mean, yeah. So what's, what's okay. interesting is at this time, this, this, is, this probably proves your point, actually. <clears throat> they have an idea that to take this brand one step further and further cement Kiss as a brand that is bigger than just music, we are going, and you can tell me if you think this was a good idea, we're going to make a movie. (laughs) (laughs) And the movie is called Kiss Meets the Phantom at the Park. (laughs) Jane showed me some clips yesterday when she was young, given that her parents were way into Kiss. She was exposed to this movie. 
Uh, and it immediately dispelled any interest she it's had so as a child, any interest she had in her parents' band. So what's funny is that they thought this was going to propel them to another level. And I think there was this thought. And, and I guess I guess for our listeners who haven't seen it, uh, think of like Adam West era Batman, but even like worse looking than that level of sort of cheesy yes. special effects. And like there were some scenes where like, um, what's the main guy? Not Ace, the other Gene? one, Joe... No, the other one. Paul? Paul. But, like, Paul is in literally a kung fu fight <laughs> with some little, like, you know, t- typical Bruce yes. Lee, uh, you know, antagonist kind of guy who Bruce Lee would be knocking down. And you can tell the guy is bored trying to fight with this yes. dumb rock star, trying to get the moves correct. It looks like they rolled film one time and one time only for each of the films, uh, for each of the scenes. I saw another one where Gene Simmons does something in a really crappy Batman era. Uh, CG mm-hmm. uh, Godzilla, you know, flame comes out of his mouth. It was obviously like yes. drawn on in post yes. rather than an actual like flamethrower or something, you know. Um, there, so th- that's the level of what we're talking about. And it just seemed, it seemed like it was almost like marketed as kid to kids the way it looked. It looked like it was like Mighty Morphin Rangers yeah, or Power but, Rangers. But or that wasn't with. their intention. <laughs> oh, no. They thought it was going to be oh. like a g- legitimately good movie. <laughs> And they like, (laughs) when I read about it, I had to like read up on it again. Like I was aware of it, but just to read up on the history of it. And when I saw, when I saw (laughs) the line, because this is always a bad sign. When you see the line, (laughs) the script went through many rewrites. That's all things. (laughs) (laughs) So what that, you know what that tells you? There was a script worse than that one. Oh, no. This could have been even worse. <laughs> but somebody, presumably not oh. on cocaine, like stepped in and was like, no, 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 rewrite this. <laughs> but it's still, it was Here's so the problem, Gene. Was you so never bad. do cocaine when you're writing. And yeah. so this is. It, and it, sound, it sounds like they knew, when you hear the band talk about it now, like they knew it was going to be bad when they were making it. And I'm sure actors know sure. that sometimes. Like they're making a movie and they're like, right. man, this is terrible. They're like, we got it. And you're like, really? So, I thought that yeah. was where us practicing. So there, <laughs> and there's, there's a couple of funny stories. Like Ace Freely is like, he hates this. He just wants to be in a rock and roll band. He hates this so much. Um, right. And there's one point where like he get like he'd stayed out late the night before, he's hung over and he puts on his makeup and his costume, he gets to the set and like they're waiting around forever because that's what happens when you make a movie. That's what I've always heard, right? There's a lot of waiting around. And right. he just like one day just says, Fuck this, and he just gets in his Corvette and in full like costume and makeup just drives off, just leaves. <laughs> Um, like he was so uninterested in making this movie. Peter Chris spoke at that time with such a thick New York accent that when the movie was over, the editors realized you could not understand what he was saying. So they had another voice actor overdub his <laughs> line. So it doesn't line up. It's oh like man, a, I gotta it's like a kung fu movie, but the guy is speaking English. <laughs> you just can't understand him. Like. It's so, it's such a it's such a caricature. It is such a parody of themselves. It was so so much unintentional comedy. It was so bad. Um, okay. So this movie makes them even more successful. This movie, right? No, this is not one of those stories really? where it's like it's massive. No, it comes out and it's a joke. Like 
It, okay. it does not help them at all. Now, is it a national joke or everybody oh, yes. jokes about yes. it? Or is it like one of those things where you're just kind of like, it happens, like nobody goes to see it because they hear it's bad and kind of whatever. This is a straight-to-TV release. Um, oh, no. So the entire, so it was free and, for everybody to watch on uh, NBC. Yeah, remember night. at that time oh, there were no. three channels. Um, yeah, And so yeah. I'm sure oh, a lot God. of people watched it, but it was received very poorly. And even the band in interviews right. like immediately after – admit that like it was bad like they know it was bad it was a mistake it was a bad script <laughs> bad it was just bad altogether and sure. they they knew it right away they'd made a mistake and uh that's that's it <laughs> um all right so that movie is a disaster and i do kind of wonder what the reputation would have been like if they would not have done that because it did it hurt them like it was really? such a joke and they became but i mean the band is that already like they Mm-mm. no they're not they're not really a joke at that point like they're a popular oh this defines no, that they, what we they know are, they, we yeah, all know no, this, they are this, a, this they're a popular this band creates the joke yes, reputation yes they're a popular band really? at this point and they make this movie but they were already merchandising and all that yeah like, but merchandising didn't seem to make them much of a joke like yeah they were capitalists and they're trying to make money but Kiss Meets the Phantom was different. It was like a, it, be, it wow, made them okay. into a band that suddenly was not self-aware. And I think what they were doing before they got away with because they were self-aware. Like they knew what they were doing. They knew they were capitalizing. Right, they knew right. they were trying to make money. And Kiss Meets the okay. Phantom is like, oh, you thought you were going to make a good movie? You fucking idiots. <laughs> right, exactly. So that's okay. what it was. Now, they do something really interesting around this time as well, which is – they have this deal in their record contract that says if any one of them releases a solo album, it'll count towards half of their record commitment to this record label. And so their manager has this idea. So in other words, one solo album counts for half of one release mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. something? Okay, okay, okay. And there's some tensions in the band at this point. And so their manager has this idea of how about each one of you guys do a solo album, but you release it as a member of KISS, and we put them all out on the same day. And it's the KISS. So Star Child's record yes. and... Okay, and the, okay. and the, the cover is just Paul Stanley's face in full makeup. And Ace Freely's... Oh, and the covers are all the same. Yeah, Ace Freely's album okay, okay. is just Ace Freely in full Ace Freely. It's just a black background. Like, all album Man. covers are identical. This is some, this is some use your illusion Dude, level shit and, of, like... Ima- imagine Man. if... I don't know another band where all four members are that, like, active in songwriting and singing. But, like, imagine if instead of breaking up, the Beatles had just put out, like, John Lennon. Paul McCartney, George Harrison, Ringo right. Starr. And would that have given right. them each enough of a break and enough freedom to then come back together after that and say, okay, let's keep making music. You know, I don't, yeah, I don't right, know exactly. and not to equate Kiss with the Beatles, uh, but that's what right. they did. Like they released these solo albums um, and it's a revolutionary idea. And I don't think anyone's done it since. Like, I think that has never really been replicated. Um you mean like that every band member's done a solo yeah. or like they've all been released at the same time Both. or where, where they, they've been really like it's coordinated. Like, like they decide right. together, like everyone just go make a solo album and we'll put them all out together at the same time. Yeah, exactly. No, I don't know about that. So yeah. I, I don't think that's been done since then. I think it's really revolutionary <clears throat> and really interesting. I have got, is that, 
Is that what solo records really are usually? Because I've seen things where like actually a greatest hits compilation. I'm pretty sure in one of my bands, uh, like I think it might even be the Smashing Pumpkins. Mm-hmm. Like several of them, like it seems like they do that where like they owe the company mm-hmm. a record and making a greatest hit records counts oh, yeah. for that. Does solo also count? Like sort of like that generally? Or? No, no, usually not unless it's with the same record company and they make a deal with the record label saying, all right, band okay. is done, but I'll make Interesting. the record. Um, so Rob, Rob Thomas kicking out records no. now is not affecting like an un, un you know, uh, no. un, undead contract with Matchbox 20 for three more albums. Correct. Okay. All right. So okay. they, they make these, and, and it's interesting because like Gene Simmons is because he's just such an egomaniac. Like he wants his to be the best and he gets, okay. he gets everybody to play on his solo album. He gets like okay, so there's like Eric Clapton or some kind of bullshit, well, not Eric, and everybody else is like, yeah, here's my neighborhood friend. Not Eric Clapton, but like Eddie Van Halen. Um, what? Yeah, it, it's yeah, it, it like it like Cher sings a song, <laughs> sings with him on one of the songs. <laughs> um, it's it's wild. It's like he gets. I'm just looking for the list of like who all. Uh, played on his album. Okay, I'm going to tell you who all played on. To be on. clear, did Paul have any of these people or no. any of these other guys? Like, it wasn't like they came in or like, hey, we're going to play with your song next. Nope. Okay, here's it was totally different record so, studios, totally different producers. Here's who played on his album. Um, okay. Aerosmith, Joe Perry. Okay. Bob Seger, Cheap Tricks, Rick Nielsen, Donna Summer, Helen Reddy. I don't. Know who, I don't know who that is. And Cher. Um, like. They all played on Gene Simmons' solo album. And it turns out that it wasn't a very good album at all. Um, the, the, the record. I'm looking at, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, the list for Paul Stanley, and I don't recognize any of these names, but uh, Bob Kulik, Steve Buzlawi, <laughs> Eric Nelson, Richie Fontana, Carmen. <laughs> there's like four different guys on different drums. Carmen, Carmen Apiece. Craig Cramp, there's there's not a single name here I recognize. Yeah, no, no, no. It's it, none of the other guys went to the links that Gene Simmons went through. Um, right. Generally speaking, most people seem to agree that Ace Frehley's album was the best. Um, there's a lot of George Harrison in him, in that I think a lot of fans really always liked his songs the best. They're always a little bit more laid back, but they're they still have really great guitar solos. His singing style is definitely more relaxed. Um, oh wait, wait, wait! Do all four of them actually write like the music? Yeah. Or... Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. It's not sort of the Paul and, and no. John. They, I mean, it was it, it was okay. Paul and John in that Gene and Paul wrote most of the stuff, but the other two would contribute here and there. Okay. Which is very much like the Beatles. But a- yeah, Ace, a lot of people liked his stuff the best. And his album, and Gene Simmons in his book like admitted like Ace Freely had the most cohesive, well-put-together, best solo album of all of us. His was absolutely the best. Um, and I think it's looked upon today in that same way. His was the only one that had a hit on it. Um, Ace Freely's was. Um Peter Chris, it's generally thought of was the absolute worst. <laughs> like it's um, when when um, Grantland, um, a website I used to read, like ranked every Kiss album start to finish. Um, they ranked Peter Chris as the worst, and the only comment all all of them all of them like had a long paragraph except for that one, and it just said this was right. an album Peter Chris put out in 1978. 
That's all it said. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they put the albums up. The record label thinks it's going to be huge. They put a ton of money into promoting it and everything, and it flops. Like, no one buys it. Um, yeah, Aces uh, was thought of as the best. Jeans actually sold the most, I think, because of the names he had on it. Um, but right. none of them really did much. It turned out to be not a not a great thing. Um, they put out one or two more albums as a band, and then okay. they have this idea, and it's a bad idea. And this idea, this is after the movie, but several down the road a little. After, we do the movie, we do the solo records, we do some other records. We're feeling pretty good. It's time for and, the, and there, and this is now the early. This is like eighty. 82, something like that, early 80s. And their producer is Bob Ezrin, um, who's right. produced, I mean, everyone. He produced Pink Floyd. He produced Deep Purple. Yeah, famously, he did The Wall. Yeah. That's the one that everybody gives him credit to. When they pull him in, anybody who ever pulls him in, Nine Snails used him to uh, sequence mm-hmm. one of his big records. And everybody always mentions, famously, The Wall producer. Mm-hmm. Um, well... This is one that people don't mention. Um, okay. Kiss has this idea for a solo album, for no, a, a concept album. Okay. They have an idea for a concept album called Music from the Elder. And basically their idea is, and it, don't ask me what the concept is. I have no fucking idea. It doesn't matter. It's so god-awful. You cannot fathom how bad this is. Okay. If you listen to the first song, like it's it's opera, like it's operatic. Okay, okay. And basically, their idea was, this is what Paul Stanley said in like the Kiss Behind the Music, which was like a two-hour version of Behind the Music called Kiss and Makeup. Okay. Paul Stanley said, and he knowing what a joke this sounds like now, he gets it. He goes. This was us basically saying, let's cut our hair and show everybody how smart we can be. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I'm looking at the album cover. A lot of them have their hair way short. Oh, yeah. In particular, Gene Simmons now has the like classic look of this sort of like, um, like samurai look, mm-hmm. kind of. Interesting. Okay. So by this time, Peter Chris has been fired from the band. They just... He he was I mean technically he's not a great drummer, um, okay. and they had just kind of had it with him, and so they replaced him with another dude and just made up a new character, um, <laughs> and stuck him back there on drums, and they put this album out. I mean it just bombs horribly. It's so bad. Um, Ace Freely was pissed. Now, does it does it bomb because it's a departure from the fun of Kiss? Like, objectively speaking, it's a really great concept record, but it's just like not the right band. Or is it like it's it's just awful? There's nothing. Okay, so I think yeah, one it was a departure. Now, people looking back now, forty years later, uh huh, look back on it more fondly now than they did then. Um, it's gotten okay. more positive. Um, write-ups on it more recently um, saying, well, okay, on, on second listen, it's not as bad as what we all thought, but it was such a insane departure. Listen, listen to the plot. So this is from Wikipedia. The basic plot of The Elder 
involves the recruitment and training of a young hero called the boy by the Council of Elders who belong to the Order of the Rose, a mysterious group dedicated to combating evil. And I ask you, how much cocaine was needed to come up with that concept? Right. That's some D&D shit for sure. And you know what I mean? Just, just that shit crazy for a band like that who's always been about like man we're just playing rock and roll we're gonna get up here and we're gonna play yeah, right um here's here's the hobbit in music form because a couple of years before that they did have some criticism because they released kind of more of a disco type song called sure know something um which mm-hmm. had a disco beat but so did another brick in the wall like that had a disco right. beat you know, and that was fine. Right. It was within the context. Well, in full context, this record we're talking about came out in 1981, mm-hmm. right? So there's there's definitely sort of, you know, I, I'm not extremely familiar with that era, but we're talking about like new wave. Punk is obviously a thing. New wave is kind of coming in soon. I do know that um, the Queen's last record was in like 80 or 81 mm-hmm. as well. And um, it was very operatic, but that was... That was like Freddie Mercury. That's style Queen. That's Queen. And, uh, right, exactly. and so Bob Ezrin, Bob Ezrin um, I think like fully admitted, like he literally was doing like massive <laughs> amounts of cocaine at this time and was <laughs> right. not in a good place to decide. I, I bet he is. Yeah. This is two years after his biggest yeah, work of his after life. The wall. He's, he's on the down. And, from, like, like, the wall was 79. Yeah, I, I just, um, I, he, I mean, he, he's like admits, like he was not in a good place to determine like what was good and what wasn't. And he allowed <laughs> this to happen. And but what's, what's crazy is, and this is where they depart once again, because Kiss had always been so self-aware of what they were. And then Kiss meets the Phantom kind of chips away at that. And then here's music from the elder, which again, it's like, wait a minute, these guys are not self-aware. Like they think they're way more important than they are. And it's so bad. It destroys their image. Once again, Um, it's a complete joke. They don't even really tour. They don't really tour. It doesn't reaffirm the image of the cartoon fun kind of whatever. It just makes them seem like assholes at this point, like pompous. These cartoon characters that played fun, three-chord, power-chord rock songs are... Right, and then solidified the reputation afterwards as being like like just kind of a mm-hmm. joke, given the movie. Mm-hmm. Now, they're, now they're trying to do something serious. This, this is what happens, and we've talked about this with some of the other bands, of you know what happens when a band through the 70s does the same thing, and then they try to transition into the 80s which was very different. And do you just keep doing the same thing or do you try to change with the times? And I think they tried to change with the times and it just like so many other bands, it went so bad. Um, And I think of a band like, like the Eagles who just broke up in 1980 and got back together in 1994. Like they just skipped it. They just skipped the whole stupid (laughs) era and thank God they did. Like there's a boss. what, what, What would they, what kind of shit would they have put out in like 1984 had they still been right. together and this is what kissed it. Like they just, they, they kept, they kept going at it and it just sucked. So, uh, I, I've been looking here at Bob Ezrin's page and I would think another interesting thing is this is two years after the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it looks like, I mean, I, I can't be sure, but it looks like Bob Ezrin rose, um, you know, like, uh, on Alice Cooper 
is what it looks like. There's there's a little bit of things like I've kind of never heard of that were in there in the early 70s or something like uh, a guy, Richard Wagner. I don't know if that's huge or not. Um, uh, Ursa Major or something, but like it's like 73, 74, 75, 76 is uh, Alice Cooper. And then he goes offline to do uh, The Wall. Right. And then. So it sounds like, but but I can't help but notice, you know, the theatrics as well. Like Alice Cooper, oh yeah, is kind of that oh, way, very, right? Very, he's a character, absolutely. Right, he's a character. Right. Um, okay, so they do this. They they do this album. It bombs. They do like a couple of more albums in the early '80s. Um, at this point, Ace Freely has had it with them. He's pissed about this. He hates this album so much. <laughs> he just wants to right. play rock and roll. And he thinks this right. is bullshit. He thinks this is Gene Simmons trying to take control of the band and lead them. This and truly and, is it, the and wall, it, it, it's what it is. And so the yeah. next album, Ace like doesn't even participate, but they don't really have, they don't really know what to do about it. Like they don't have a good replacement for him. So they just have like a hired hand to play the solos on the next album, but they put Ace on the cover. Like he's a part of it. Um, and then, <laughs> but then after that he quits. Ace is, okay. is done after that. So okay. they they bring in, a, like they audition some guys. There's one interesting story from this era. And I'm not, again, I'm not going to get into like all the different, oh, and they brought in this guitar player and this guitar player. Yeah, yeah. But one guy that was rumored to be trying to join Kiss at that time was Eddie Van Halen. Like Eddie, Eddie Van Halen was friends with Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley. In Gene Simmons' book, he says outright, Eddie Van Halen asked me if he could join Kiss. He had had it with Van Halen. He thought the band was done. He had had it with David Lee Roth. He didn't see a path forward. Um, and he wanted to join Kiss. He was so unhappy with Van Halen. <laughs> he, 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 I swear to God. Is that a, is that a step swear, up? No, that that's a... the thing. But, but that tells you, even with these mishaps, what status Kiss had. Um, right. And Eddie Van Halen, like, and Paul in his book, I don't think he explicitly says he wanted to join, but he also talks about how Eddie Van Halen was around all the time. And he's like, Eddie Van Halen, like, obviously he'd been drinking, would call me late at night and, like, want to talk about Kiss with me. And, like, he was absolutely angling to be a part of Kiss at that time. And Gene Simmons, who, if you read his book, the theme of every story is that Gene Simmons is the smartest guy in the room. And right, Gene right. Simmons like talks sense into Eddie Van Halen and tells him like, no, Van Halen, <laughs> Van Halen is so great. And you need to stick with Van Halen, yada, yada, yada. Um, right, right. Gene Simmons is always the guy who solves every problem in his book. Um, <laughs> and, and Paul Stanley, his version of it was like, he kind of got tired of Eddie Van Halen. Like he was like, what is this guy doing here? Like, this is weird. Right. Like, his, yeah, his yeah. attitude was like, dude, worry about your own band. What are you doing hanging around the desk <laughs> all the time? Like, right, so right. Uh, they, they settle on a replacement and they just. Well, and to be clear, is Kiss a party band? You know, oh, there are yeah. some bands that like just, they're in the middle of the party all the time. So like in LA, mm-hmm. there's just, you know, Johnny Depp is running with Marilyn no. Manson, who's running with, you know, whatever. And they're just always around each other. I think, I think out. some of the members, I think like Ace Freely was probably more like that. But I think the, okay. the two principal members, uh, Paul Stanley and Jim okay. Simmons, no, they were not really so, a part of that scene. Okay, so it's not like Kiss is out at, at no. parties and Van Halen keeps kind of bumping mm-hmm. into them. He's like, hey guys, can I come over to your house? No, Kiss was very different. In fact, Gene Simmons tells a story in his book where 
they're at a uh, they're on tour and they're at hotel the same hotel as the Carpenters. I don't know if you're familiar with the okay. Carpenters at all. Um, no, but it was a brother and sister. They played extraordinarily soft rock in the early seventies. Um, and I mean like the definition of soft rock, nothing you would have ever listened to, but I know like my mom did. Um, and they had a song in Tommy boy, uh, which made, which gave them a little bit of popularity (laughs) at that time. Um, but Karen Carpenter, like definition of girl next door, just pure as could be, um, nothing nefarious about her at all. And Gene Simmons said like, he hung out with her all night, one night in his hotel suite, just talking business, just talking about the business of running a band <laughs> and how it you tour like the, and how you make the money. Best, uh, uh, sex of his yes, life. Yeah, because he said that's why he invited <laughs> her up to the room. And when that didn't happen, he realized how smart she was. And they just talked business all night. Like, like that's <laughs> that's what he was. Um, okay, so they, they Ace Freely... Uh, at this point is like, I'm done with this. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm out. This, this is, I hate the direction this band has taken. They find a replacement. He's just a guy. They, they make up a new character and throw makeup on him. Um, they tour, um, ticket sales are bad. They're falling into obscurity at this point. Like they're falling into a real irrelevance. Right. Right. So Gene and Paul to their credit, decide like something has to change we cannot keep doing the same thing over and over again and their idea is let's take the makeup let's take the makeup off no they're like let's okay so just for context uh jane's mom related a story where when she was little all three of her or all two of her siblings all three girls went up to halloween dressed Mm -hmm. as you know, kiss and just were enamored with all this kind of yeah. stuff. And she said, when this era started, she felt like betrayed mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so like, yeah. those guys are so ugly. Oh, yeah. the That's the thing. And Gene Simmons readily admits this <laughs> that like they absolutely, when they took the makeup off, people realized why they wore makeup because they were not right. an attractive band at all. Um, <laughs> right. And they, and it was funny because before then there was this aura of no one knew what they looked. That was real. Like no one knew what they right. looked like. If they did, like Gene tells a story in his book about how a reporter like came to his house to do an interview and he put on the costume and the makeup. Like even if it wasn't on camera, they did not appear to anybody outside the band um, outside of makeup. Which I cannot. Gene Simmons impresses me as the kind of egoist who would probably mention this in his book. Yes. When all the girls come to the hotel rooms, makeup on or off? Mm, makeup off at that. Point. I makeup on. off at that point. Makeup off. You at sure. The, I'm pretty sure. No, okay. I'm pretty sure. Um, but if it was anything that was going to be relayed to the public, like a writer, no. And if they would go to a restaurant where they thought they might be seen, they would put the makeup on. But if. But they would, but if they would, they would try to go incognito. Paul Stanley has said like, like it wasn't as incognito as you would think because if you're in like Des Moines, Iowa for a show and you go out to dinner and you walk down the street and you're like six foot five with curly, curly, curly black hair, you know, down halfway down your back. Like people know like, wait, Kiss is in town. That must be a guy from Kiss. And I, I related to like, I related to like one night I was at a hotel in Amarillo, Texas and I'm at the hotel bar as I usually am. 
And <laughs> I'm sitting there. It's like midnight, and the, there's not many people at the bar. It's in downtown Amarillo, the Embassy Suites. And I look behind me, and there are these two dudes who are like early 20s, rail thin, really, yep. really long, straight hair, straight as could be. Um, right. but well done. Like clearly a professional has done this hair, um, dressed, right, exactly. dressed very nicely, not in a suit, right. not professional, but just, you can tell like dressed to impress. Right. And I look very I, out of place and like pseudo small town. Texas, I look, I look, I look back and they might, I, it took two seconds and I just said, what band are you guys in? <laughs> and, <laughs> That's and this, this, what this was one it? guy with a British, British accent goes, uh, we're in a band called Temples. And I was like, okay. holy shit, I know Temples. <laughs> like, I, there's, a, there's a song that they have that I really love. Like, Temples is good. And I was like, oh, my God, I know who you guys are. And they are like, yeah, mate. And then they left. Uh, they got out of there right. as quickly as they could. They did not want to talk to me. He's like, great. Yet another adult who's like, "We, I actually know who yeah, you are. But there's a, <laughs> like, there, there a point. I, I could see what he was saying. Like, there's a point where, like, you're so out of place wherever you are, even if you don't have the makeup yeah, on. It's very no obvious uh, what's going right. on. So they decide to take the makeup off. At this point, they have two new members, a new drummer, a new guitar player. They do a special on MTV, which is, Crucially, a, which is a big... Through this whole phase, nobody knows what Ace Freely looks no, like. No, no. Like, uh, now they do. But no, at this point, he didn't. He was not with the band through the no makeup phase, so he is, in, he right. is living in anonymity. Um, right. And he's pretty rich. He's pretty happy at this point. He's really not that unhappy. Right. Um, he's, right. He starts playing clubs, like with his new band, Fraley's Comet. Um, okay. And he's just, he's happiest. Like that dude really is not an unhappy guy, even to this day, I think. Yeah. Um, okay. So they have a thing on MTV with JJ Jackson and they have like an unmasking ceremony where they go on MTV. <laughs> which, remember what a big oh, deal no. MTV was at that time. This is the early eighties. Like MTV was fucking huge. Right. Um, they right. do this thing where they take off the makeup and it's like, it's here's kiss. This is what they look like. And they debut the, the, um, they debut the, um, the video for, uh, lick it up at that point. <laughs> and Gene, Gene Simmons, he's, he's an egomaniac, but he knows right. what his shortcomings are. And he fully admitted right. at that time, like during lick it up and even the no makeup albums after that, like, he had no idea how to act, how to dress. Right. Like he didn't know who right. he was without the makeup. And he said, right. thank God we had Paul Stanley. He seems like in that movie, in that video in particular, like Andre the Giant. Yeah. It's he, it's not just the dressing. It's like the way he's like yes. kind of moving and stuff. Yes. It's like he's, he, he's like trying to become a different character yes. or something from what he was or something. It's very So weird. he's like, thank God we had Paul Stanley because like he's a front man. And – Paul right. Stanley is at least kind of a better looking guy and he was comfortable. Right. He was comfortable being out there as the front man, um, you know, as kind of the face of the band. And wait, wait, wait. So just to be clear, this is unmasked like on tour as well. Oh it's yeah. Like they, oh yeah. They did a, did a PR bid and then like made a couple of videos this way. It's like, we're going on tour now. No. I presumably still doing the theatrics and oh, all yeah. the crazy stuff, but just we, are they even in costumes or no, is no, it no. like in that video where they're now all like leather clad dudes like wearing eighties, like, you know, bad. No, there's, there's a funny uh, story that Paul Stanley told um, where he said, like when they did the unmasking thing, they already had a big tour, like of Australia booked 
And okay. they go play like this sold out stadium in Sydney, Australia for the first show. And the fans are like, what the fuck is this? Because all the lights <laughs> and everything are still there. It's still the big show, but they're not in the makeup and the costumes they still have, but they're not the same. Um, you know, it's not, it's not the same. And the crowd was like, what? Huh? Awesome. Like it was, he said it was really <laughs> awkward and they didn't quite know how to act. They didn't know how to dress. Okay. They didn't... So given, given the concept album and the movie before, do they, do they lean into it just like the movie and like, we're going to do this for three more tours? Mm-hmm. No, they do. Oh, yeah. There is no stopping Gene Simmons. Dude, Gene and Paul, I mean, they both abort. We're going to change business. I, I think they both knew that like the makeup and the characters had kind of run its course. Um, oh, you okay. can only make the same so, album. So there really is a revival after this, where there's well, because I, you and I grew up like where Kiss is like a brand, yes. not not unlike like Elvis Presley at this point, or I Love right. Lucy, which is like a show that had been off the air twenty years or something by the time we were even born or yeah. something. But it's it's just a pervasive part of culture that's fun, that's unoff- inoffensive. <laughs> And well, whatever. Obviously, this at this point, that's not going so, on. The Kiss brand after the mm-hmm. concept album kind of the mer- merchandise doesn't matter anymore. That doesn't it be- exist. It, that yeah, kind of it became a joke. It be- Kiss be- kind of it became a little bit of a punchline. They moved. This is the okay. Spinal Tap era. Where like you know, Spinal Tap. The concept is this band had some hits in the sixties, but they've tried to evolve with the times, and now they're playing hair metal <laughs> um, in the early eighties. Mm-hmm. And that's literally mm-hmm. what they're doing. Like they're playing hair metal in the eighties um, mm-hmm. and they're just trying to adapt with the times. They do have a couple of mild hits, but concert attendance is dwindling um, right. through the late eighties and the early nineties. They're just slowly dying. I mean, they're absolutely sure. just becoming more and more irrelevant as, as very time goes slow, on. man. Yeah. 15 Dude, years. It, of, it is crazy man. how, but they never stopped. They never like totally broke up. They never went away. Really? They just kept and they never had like a multi-year no. hiatus. No. Hey, we're just going to no. give it, get, quit it for four this years. This whole time, they keep making album after album and tour after so, tour. So, okay, this is the thing. In the top of the Wikipedia, that blew my mind. They have 30 albums yes. that are gold, which which is 500,000, right? Yeah. It's gold, I think. 30 albums that are gold. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, okay, you know, they're kind of uh, – whatever, a joke band. Of course, a lot of people have heard them. So 30 is insane to even make that many, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then it was, they have, uh, here we go, okay. 30 gold albums. Mm-hmm. They have 14 platinum, mm-hmm. which means it's, they've sold a million. Yeah. And three of those are actually multi-platinum, so more than 2 million records. That is cash no matter what little bobblehead yeah. toys there are or not like these guys are that is huge and that, and that tells you we talked about willie nelson uh two weeks ago yeah, yeah, right yeah. and it was like you said that he had tons he had a hundred records something crazy but like some of them have been sold in the thousands right. you know or oh, whatever yeah. right yeah. And, and what's interesting about kiss is that you know i talk about how they're becoming more irrelevant some of these albums are selling like they, they'll put an album out but you know, this was a time when albums sold. Like right now, right. if they put an album out, right. it would sell like a hundred thousand copies, maybe. You know, right, um, right. but this was okay. a time when albums actually sold. But their concert attendance was dwindling and dwindling and dwindling to the point right. to the point where, and all this time, still 
are they still without makeup this entire 10 year period? No makeup. What? Oh yeah. No makeup. Uh, Man, I was thinking they would do it for like a couple hours. No, 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 no. And be like, no, no, we gotta go back. They do this for like 15 fucking years. Yeah, they stuck with it from like the early eighties until the mid nineties. And not only that, this is what's crazy to me in 95, this is the level that they had sunk into. So they decided like, all right, like, mainstream touring like attendance is dwindling it's not really working they do this thing called the kiss convention tour where they (laughs) do this thing called the kiss convention and it is literally a fucking fan fest for kiss where kiss is there and they literally do it so this is like this is comic con for kiss no this is like um uh, yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. Like, let me tell you the venues. Like Gene Simmons is going to do an interview in a hall where everybody can go listen. And then at two o'clock, he can go listen to Paul Stanley. And then the band yes. is going to like then, have yeah. a, a panel they one have, hour yeah, all together. They have a panel. And then they're going to do yeah, a show. Then they have a stage where they do like an acoustic set. And what the heck? They do, that like, sounds fucking dude, awesome. It, it, actually, I'm not no, it's a, it's a, if there's lots of video of this and it is fucking cool as shit. Um, Dude, so, I cannot imagine. I would that is talk about like, stop following a in, tour, like in Dallas, like following your favorite band for three cities and seeing like all of this trivia behind the scenes. Holy Dude, shit! So let me tell you the um, the the venues for the U.S. leg of this tour. Okay, Los, An- sure. Los Angeles, the Hilton, sure. the Hilton Burbank, um, San, okay. San Francisco, the Gibbs Center Pavilion. Don't know what that is. Seattle, the Seattle sure. Center. Salt Lake City, the Utah State Fair Park, uh, Las Vegas, Sahara Sahara Hotel, Casino, Phoenix, the Hyatt Regency, Dallas, Dallas, the Airport Marriott. So these are like literally like if you were doing a business convention, you just go into like one of these shitty like three or five star hotels or whatever. And they've Mm -hmm. got a bunch of like little rooms that you can book Mm -hmm. that are basically conference rooms. Fucking weird. Okay. So literally, if you look at the the rest of the itinerary, it's all like uh, Hilton, Ramada, Radisson. It's fucking <laughs> hotel ballrooms. Like that's what they're doing. Weird. It's like a baseball Man. card convention that Kiss is playing at. One thing that they right. would do, they listen, they do seem to always know their place. And they will, even today, they will do like the Kiss Cruise, where you can spend like 2000 bucks and go on a cruise with Kiss. Like, they will play to the fans. And, you know, I, Willie Nelson, two weeks ago, it was like, no, he never did also, anything. Yeah, he, never, he, never, he never did anything for the fans. He always did everything for him. Kiss is opposite. Like, right. it is always just, right. what do the fans want? They want a cruise? We'll do a right. cruise. Um, right. That's what they've always done. This Kiss convention thing is weird because it's, it's almost like rock bottom, but this also is what catapults them back in a weird way into being like one of the biggest bands in the world. So, so I do this convention thing, and at this point, no makeup still, right? Mm-hmm. No makeup. Okay. No, no makeup. They're just on stage with acoustic guitars, and what they'll do is like they will have a microphone going around the crowd to let fans sing along to their favorite songs as they play, like right. sing lead. They will yeah. let, they will let yeah. fans just shout requests and they'll try to play the songs. And of course their drummer and their lead guitar player at this time are like hired hands who can play anything. 
Um, and so Gene and Paul just have to kind of remember the melody and it's, you know, they'll ask questions and they'll shout song requests and like, imagine if like Billy Corgan just did this and you got to just go grab a mic and be like, Hey Billy, what about this? (laughs) What about this eighth track from the pumpkins third album? Like, like how great, how in would you be on that? Like, man, that is insane. I'm so so used to the the 90s rock stars who fucking hate anybody who likes them, you know? Yes. And they, they, like, and Gene Simmons, to his credit, there's a lot to not like about him, but man, he never, like, gave up on it. Like, no, if there were fans, if there were two fans that would come see him, he'd be there. If there were a hundred fans that would come, they'd be there. A thousand fans. They'd be like, they were going to go where the fans were no matter what. And that's what they did here. So this is where the rebirth happens is that Peter Chris, the drummer um, at that time, he had a teenage daughter who'd never seen him play. And he um, told his manager, like, I want to go to the Los Angeles kiss convention. I want to see this (laughs) thing. Like, I want to see this. This sounds awesome. Right. Well, okay. Gene Simmons hears that Peter Chris is is going to show up, and Gene, to his credit, again, a lot to not like about him, but to his credit, he tells like the Kiss people, like, do not let Peter just show up. Like, he's going to get swarmed. He's not going to enjoy it. Like, let's treat him like a member of Kiss. We'll send a limo to his house. We'll bring him out. We'll bring him on stage. Like, let's make him a part of this. Okay. And so they do that. And Peter Chris, who has done nothing. Sometimes guys leave bands, they go join other bands. Peter Chris and Ace Freely both have been doing nothing in this time. Like they've okay. been playing some clubs and I think they had actually done some club dates together, playing literally places like trees, like just clubs. Right. But they've been doing nothing. And right. There's video of Peter coming out on stage at this Kiss convention and the crowd just going batshit crazy. And okay. they play Hard Luck Woman, which is one of the songs Peter sang, uh, probably his biggest hit, with the, uh, second biggest hit with the band. And I mean, the okay. crowd just goes insane. Like they're like, they can't believe this is happening. Um, it was not announced. It just happened. And now Gene and Paul have this idea that like, man, it's been like 15 years. Maybe it's time. And so MTV also gets word of these KISS conventions. And they want to come film one of these acoustic sets and make it an MTV Unplugged. Remember how big Unplugged was at that time? Wait, hang on. To be clear, I'm sorry. Roll back the clock a little bit. Peter Chris, for some reason, I thought was the same one as Ace Freely. Peter Chris is the Catman, mm-hmm. aka the drummer. Mm-hmm. So, I presume there's another drummer who's sitting there. This is yes. similar to the Willie no, Nelson story this is, earlier, no, this or, is, or whatever. Yeah, this is interesting because this is part of the uh, the Unplugged story. So MTV okay. comes to them and they're like, we want to do an unplugged. Um, we want to film one of these kiss conventions for whatever reason that never works out. And, but, but kiss. Sure. Um, so Peter Chris uh, does this appearance in June of 2000, uh, I'm sorry, June of 1995. And um, in August of 95, that tour is over and they are doing like a formal unplugged at like the MTV studios. Um, like that was released on CD. I yeah, though that was a it was a big album for them, and so Gene and Paul invited Peter, Chris, and Ace Freely to Unplugged to do a couple of songs as like a mini okay. as like a mini reunion, and it was there is it's funny because there's video. 
if you like behind the scenes footage, Kiss is a great band to be into because there is endless amounts of it on YouTube, like unlimited. Everything is filmed. Sometimes it's camcorders. Sometimes it's professional, but there is so much out there. This rehearsal where Ace and Peter come rehearse with them for the first time in 15 years is, is filmed. And, you know, Ace is like frustrated because he doesn't really play acoustic guitar and he, the song he wants to do has this long solo, but he can't really play it on an acoustic and he's kind of mad and it's not working. And it's, but it's, you know, Gene was like, he was going through the same thing we were going through six months ago, trying to come up with this acoustic show and trying to figure out how to make these songs work acoustically. Um, Yeah, exactly. But also the drummer, like they're new, new, he's been there for a long time. And they're a new guitar player who's been there for a long time, are like having to reteach Ace and Peter their own <laughs> parts. Songs. Yeah. But they're, but yeah, they're there and they're totally into it and they're super nice guys and they're both talking about how awesome this is and how, like, man, when, yeah. when Ace walked into the room, it was like, oh my God, he's here. Like, this is the man, right. this is the guy. And when Peter walked, man, it, this like, is not the kind of reunion you typically hear about in rock and roll, right? That's mm-mm. that's crazy. So they play yeah. this unplugged show with just the four current members for most of it, then they bring out Ace and Peter for the last couple of shows. Well, now now rumors start flying, and I this is interesting because when that happened, then it was like it was on. Now everyone starts talking about a Kiss reunion, which is funny right. because when I hear like. I know like the Smashing Pumpkins, you know, a couple of, you know, they'd been broken up for a long time. Remember a few years ago right. when like James Eha just showed up and he and right. Corgan played a few songs together. And right, exactly. Corgan later said that like, I kind of thought the phones would really start ringing and they didn't. And that was like, right. a, that was like a, that was like a big wake up call that like, we better get on this because because we're irrelevant. I didn't yeah. know that. That's yeah. He's like, it's not. I remember, yeah. I, I have. I downloaded like YouTube videos of those yeah. couple of performances, being like, "This is the last time James Ehaw is ever going to play mm-hmm. in this band," and it's like a special birthday thing or something. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's it's uh, what was it? Live Eight or something? Yeah, no. Or Pink Floyd. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Live Eight. Yeah. yeah. So Cor- anyway, Corgan, yeah, yeah Corgan was like, it was like a wake up call that like, if we're going to do this, we better do it. Otherwise people are going to forget about us because yeah. we thought, yep, we thought absolutely. the phones would start ringing right away. It sounds like with, like, this, Oh, is James in the band? Yes, it sounds like with kiss, the phones did start ringing right away. And there was like an expectation right. and Gene and his book credits, like the replacement drummer and guitar player with like, they knew like they absolutely knew this was what, what was going to happen they knew that they couldn't stop it. They knew not, they right. knew not to get in the way of it. They were not jealous. They were not angry. They were just like, this is fucking cool. This is happening. This needs to happen. And they were totally okay with it. Um, right. Like he credits them a lot with their attitude towards the whole thing. Um, so immediately reunion rumors start flying. Nothing's confirmed. They don't say anything. And then at the Grammy awards, this is kind of a legendary kiss story. <laughs> They're always like PR. Like Dude, we're gonna do it's anything. all they it's, can't it's do it. So they, they can't do it. They can't just have a nice press conference at a Hilton ballroom. Like what this right. is what happens. This is a story, and I've read about this, and it seems to be true. This does seem to be how it actually happened, which is Kiss 
with Ace and Peter and Gene and Paul. They put on the makeup for the first time in 17 years. Uh, the makeup, the costumes, they just showed up at the Grammys. And they just... Oh, it's not like a Grammy thing no. is planned. They're going to no, go no, on no, stage no, no. to present something to so-and-so. They just got in a... They're just no. like, hey, what's up? They got in a limo and they went to the Grammys and they just walked in with no, no passes, <laughs> no nothing. They just walked in. Grammy producers see them and they have... And there's video of this. There's Tupac. Tupac Shakur is supposed to present an award... And Tupac is like, you know, the Grammys are supposed to be professional. Everyone's dressed nice. And maybe that shouldn't happen tonight. I'm going to bring out some friends of mine. Here's Kiss. And Kiss walks out. (laughs) And the crowd goes kind of crazy. Kiss presents whatever award it is. And then they just leave. They make no announcement or anything. They just walk off stage. They just leave. What the heck? And what a PR. Dude, it it was a big deal. And... It's, it's kind of a legendary <laughs> move. And then, and then a couple of days later, they had their press conference where they announced the big reunion tour. Right. And there's, it's, right. it's funny to hear in Gene's book, uh, to hear him talk about it, because basically what they did was, you know, I'm always into the, the gossip of the band and how everyone gets paid and yada, yada, yada. Basically, yeah, right. they brought Ace and Peter back, not as members of KISS, but as employees, um, oh, at this point, Gene and Paul are like, no, this band is ours. And Gene right. talks about like contract negotiations with Ace. And Gene was like, he couldn't believe there was even a negotiation because Ace was, he wasn't making any money at all at that point. And in his mind, because right, all he would have is points off of the old records, yeah, right? The ones yeah. that he participated yes. in. And they've released probably 15 more since then. And so yeah. basically, um, you know, he said, he told Ace, like, Ace, sign this deal and you're going to be a millionaire again. Don't sign this deal. And you're not like, that's, it's that simple. Like, like right. you're going to make this money no matter what, if the tour bombs, it doesn't matter. You'll still make the money and, and I, that's and true. I'll lose money. Um, right. you know, it doesn't matter. You're going to be, but also Gene is a shrewd business. Oh man, yeah. So I presume oh, yeah. he knew he was going to make way more money and had ace in a corner. Right. I would argue that ace, should have had Gene in a corner and, right. and would have said, no, no, dude, this is a reunion tour. Everyone knows that. And if you don't have me, it's not a reunion tour, but whatever. Right. Um, right. Ace and Peter get on board. They sign the deals. I'm sure they're making great money. Like it's not like they weren't making anything. Um, but they put up Tiger Stadium for sale for the first show and it sells out in 47 minutes. Like it sells out right, right away. 50,000 seats. Like Kiss went from playing the fucking Hilton Ballroom at the airport <laughs> hotel to selling right. out Tiger Stadium within like twelve months. It's insane. That's crazy. A, a, a yeah. band kind of going away, that was a yeah, a band going away, and I would argue they didn't go away, but they did by taking off the makeup and just kind of they took a break from being Kiss for a while. Uh, man, right. there's nothing better for a band than to just go away for right. a while. And yep. they did. And when they came back and they got back together, it's like one of the highest grossing tours of the year. They sell out right. everywhere. Um, right. They go all over the world. Massive, massive tour. So huh. if you if you read the biographies, everyone kind of agrees that like, yeah, it's a great tour. 
but Ace is difficult to deal with. He's drinking a lot. He shows up late. Um, there's one show where like he almost doesn't show up at all, and they dressed up the guitar tech in the spaceman unit <laughs> outfit. Yeah, like and Ace shows up. 20 minutes before the show and looks at the, the guitar tech who's totally dressed in the ace costume and <laughs> and he just looks at him and goes hey tommy how's it going <laughs> just, like oh and, and and peter is just a malcontent he's never happy with the hotels he's never happy with the backstage setup he's never happy with the money like right. ace and peter are just never happy with anything but they again they're all making money. This reunion tour is yeah. huge. Then they do a new album called Psycho Circus, which was actually okay. pretty. I think they were nominated for a Grammy for one of the songs. I, I remember that one coming out. I've not listened to it, but I do remember like it was yeah. a, definitely an iconic cover looking. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was cool. It yeah. was their comeback, and it's it's listenable. I don't think it's that bad. It's totally listenable. That's the best I can say about it. But I don't think it's I don't <laughs> think it's bad. Um, so then they do the Psycho Circus tour. Um, which opens at Dodger Stadium. Like they're just they're 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 bigger than they've ever been at this point. Like again, right. they went from Hilton ballrooms to being like once again the biggest band of the world, like overnight almost. And right. So in two thousand, now they've done like two reunion tours. They've been touring basically nonstop for like four years at this point. And so okay. then they announced like their quote farewell tour. I want to just flash forward and do a Mike Birbiglia thing and say, I know (laughs) I'm in the future. I'm in the future too. (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm also in, I'm also in Basically Ace has like lost it and gotten so bad into a drug habit or something. Actually. And he's like, I'm done for again for a little while. guys." Gene actually in his book says that Ace during that farewell tour, it was more pleasant and easier to work with than he had ever been before. Um, He had an end in sight. He had, uh, well, dad, I guess he had a uh, girlfriend at that point who was like good for him. It was good for him. Like sometimes the girlfriends are bad. This one was very good for him apparently. Um, Sure. And, um, but that tour, like it's the end of the road. I saw them in that tour. So they had, this was, you know, their third tour after the reunion um, as original kiss. And I saw them right. at the Tarrant County Convention Center, which holds about 11,000 people. And okay. there were maybe 7,000 people there. Um, I mean, literally, okay. like, the top 10 rows were empty. And oh. they had just – they had been touring nonstop as this reunion for, like, four years. So, again, that's where the brand has waned in popularity yes. a little bit. Yes. Okay. And it's just it's it's, it's still iconic, it's right? Elvis is yeah. Elvis Presley memorabilia is always still mm-hmm. gonna be a thing when you go to a Spencer's gifts or whatever yeah. on the corner somewhere. But, but it but it's just like it's it's peaked. But again. how like how the, often the second peak is peaked. And they try and Paul Stanley said like every tour we tried to make the show bigger and bigger because the legend grew and you have to live up to that right. legend every time and you have to exceed it every time. Um, right. but eventually it's just like, okay, been there, done that, seen it. Um, you know, they had just played Dallas like a few weeks before, which is also unusual for a band to play Dallas and Fort Worth. Um, yeah. they, were, they were just playing everywhere at that point. Like they were right. playing every little city 
they were just touring nonstop. Um, the farewell farewell tour ends, and Ace Freely at that point is like he's done. Um, I know Paul Stanley gave an interview during that tour where they asked him like, "So what happens after this tour? Are you guys really done?" And Paul Stanley like openly says like, "Kiss will continue one way or the other." This farewell is basically saying this era of Kiss is over. But right. it's going to continue one way or the other. And I think he even says in that interview, that, like, I could see none of the four original members being here and they're still being a kiss. Like he right. like basically saying this is not truly a farewell. Um, they take a couple of years off, but, you know, a couple of years later, they're right back at it. New tour. Now Ace Freely is gone. He publicly says, like, that last tour was a farewell. I think this is shitty. Like people came to see us thinking it was the last time they were going to see us. And right. no, I don't want to do it. I'm out. So he, he's right. out. Um, they get offered basically a co-headlining tour with Aerosmith. Okay. And Aerosmith's condition is we want at least three original members of Kiss. So they basically <laughs> have to go back to Peter Chris and be like, dude, will you do one more tour with us with Aerosmith? And okay. Ace Freely is publicly like chirping in like, you know, magazines saying, I can't fucking believe Kiss is opening for Aerosmith. Like <laughs> they called it co-headlining, but Kiss was going on first. And Ace was like, this right. is unbelievable that they're doing That's this. That's ridiculous. Like it does not matter what the level of theatrics are. Mm-hmm. Like I could see like maybe Metallica closing mm-hmm. or Pink Floyd, maybe because those guys have yeah. such a stage presence. Right. But like you think about somebody like Led Zeppelin and like, I mean, arguably Led Zeppelin would obviously be the headliner, but like, wouldn't that be a little bit weird after somebody's yes. done all the theatrics and all this shit? Like that, what was Aerosmith thinking? I, I Aerosmith, <laughs> Well, I think Aerosmith, much like Kiss, uh, has never seen a paycheck they didn't like. Um, right. And so the, I remember this. This came through Starplex in Dallas. I remember this tour. I didn't go to it, but um, I certainly remember it. Man, I can't imagine seeing an opener who just, like, stomps the headliner in terms of, like, everybody being, like, so excited about it and it being so theatrical. I, that's that's wild. I it, it's man. crazy that, like, they did this tour and Peter Chris is on board um, Peter threatens to quit like all the time because he's not happy with his right. contract. And, um, they do another tour where like, you know, it's just kiss and like, they're about to go to Japan and Peter like pulls out at the last minute because he's not happy with right. the contract and they have to cancel the tour. And it's like, it's just like, he's, he's a malcontent. He's never happy. Yeah. And so finally right. after the Aerosmith tour, like they're done. They told Peter, Paul Stanley in his book basically said, I told Peter, you're not happy. We're not happy. Um, you don't enjoy this. You complain about the hotels, the room service, the travel. You complain about everything. <laughs> like, right. just let's be done. Let's move on. And right. and they do. And they fired. Let's, me, let's move on being the kiss still exists, but this guy's out of the band mm-hmm. permanently now. Okay. And that's the way it's been since basically like 2004. Um, okay. The the two uh, other guys, Ace and Peter, have not come back. Um, they're both gone for good. They're still with us. Um, Kiss basically abandoned any idea of like any kind of, you know, farewell. We're going away. 
um, they toured pretty consistently um, through the mid 2000s up to today. Now, what happened was this is where we get to. They did release. They did release a record in 2009 called Sonic Boom. That's 11 years after Psycho Circus. And then there was another one apparently in 2012. Yeah. It was called Monster. So we won't talk about those. But um, we, <laughs> but during the early 2000s is also when Gene Simmons was doing Gene Simmons Family Jewels. He was doing the, he was oh, doing okay. the reality yeah, yeah, show. Yeah, right. Okay. And Kiss, that was right, during right. a okay. little gap in touring. Kiss wasn't touring heavily when that show started. And I think this went a long way towards cheapening the KISS brand. Um, I'm sure Gene thought it was enhancing it. But really, I don't know anyone who watched that show and thought any higher of KISS. Um, I think they saw a guy who basically is a CEO of a company who maybe plays, yeah. plays a little bass on the side. Um, right, that's what it's yeah, like. that's that, that's absolutely what it was. Because actually, when I see Gene Simmons like in rehearsal and he's just wearing a t-shirt and a baseball hat and he's playing bass and singing the songs, I'm like, oh, he's a musician. Like he's actually a musician and he plays bass and he's not bad. Um, right. But when you watch that show and he's always wearing his nice, you know, three-piece suit and he's <laughs> like, he's just he's he just turned into you know how bono is just so bono like you just can't get yeah, around how bono right. he is all the time gene yeah, simmons is right. just gene simmons all the time and he can't right. turn it off he cannot stop being just an asshole like he's just <laughs> and and he will snipe to this day at ace freely and peter chris <laughs> to this day he will right. talk about how they weren't very good um right. and Ace is an alcoholic, and Ace is like well, Ace today is like I've been sober for like thirteen years, but thanks, Gene, fucking asshole. Um, right. In previous uh, episode, you mentioned that there was something where like an interviewer or reporter was over at Gene Simmons' mm-hmm. house, and somebody else came over to like an asshole drop off a book. There was like, "Here's my autobio. No, I don't want to talk." No, so to that you. was, and yeah. he said something to like a reporter, like, "You know, Gene lives Kiss all the time, and I don't." Which one was that? That was Paul Stanley. Paul Stanley had finished okay. his book. Gene was doing like a Rolling Stone interview. Paul did not know the Rolling Stone guy was there, and oh, okay. Paul just happened to have a new copy of his book. He stopped by Gene's house. They live close to one another. Um, okay. He stopped by Gene's house and just dropped his book off. And Gene was like, oh, hey, I, I, I got a reporter here. Do you want to come in and, and talk for a minute? And Paul was like, nope, I don't. <laughs> and Gene, Gene like stalled him. and was like, hey, we'll just hang out here for just a minute. I'll be right back. And you know what Gene went and did something. And Paul told the reporter, like, this is Gene's whole life. This is... This right. is all he is. He's Kiss, and Paul is right. like, yeah, I'm not yeah. staying because I've got, I've got other stuff. Like I've got a wife, right. I've got kids. So does Gene, but you know, Paul's like, this, this is not my whole life. I've got so many other things right. that I'm interested in. Um, that no, I, I don't want to sit down for a Rolling Stone interview with Gene Simmons. Right. Um, right. It's interesting because um, there was a point at some point, like in the late '70s, where Gene had like. Uh, they were recording something and some kids and this guy came into the studio um, and Gene said they were there to sing backup on a song. And Paul eventually like found out that basically that guy was like a, a movie producer and had promised Gene a part, a small part in a movie. If the kids could sing backup on a kiss song. And Paul was like livid. <laughs> Paul was like, I can't believe he was Dude. whoring us out 
to like like Paul is a Paul Stanley man, is a top man. Top ten sellout dude, move of all Paul time. Stanley is like, Paul seven. Stanley actually is a man of like principle. Like he's a if you follow right. him on like Instagram, you're like, man, that guy's just a good guy. He's a really good guy. He's smart. He gets it. Right. And he's had a and lot Gene of is just a straight up businessman. He's like, yeah, okay. up this throw the kids Gene, on the back of a track. Yeah. That's cool. Gene talked about how like Ace <laughs> made these like really colorful guitar straps. And he he in this in his book he talks about it like, man, these guitar straps were so cool and colorful and unique. And he told Ace, you should trademark these and you should sell them. And right. Ace like was like, yeah, whatever. Like Ace just wasn't interested. And he, <laughs> but to Gene, like that's a criticism that like Ace was right. not interested in capitalizing on this t- talent that he had for designing guitar mm-hmm. straps. Like he mm-hmm. couldn't believe that Ace wasn't interested in doing that. Um, Paul is really good at playing both sides. Paul wants to commercialize the band, but he doesn't want to just be a, you know, he doesn't want to be a parody. And he knows Gene has made him right. a parody, but what's so interesting about the two of them, because Paul has been very public about his statements at times when Gene has gone over the line. And Paul will say, like, that's over the line. I wish he wouldn't have done that. Like, he'll criticize him very publicly. Right. But as far as right. I can tell, they have never, like, come close to breaking up. Like, they've never come close to separating. They've always had the bigger picture in mind, and they've always been able to work it out. And there's been like tremendous tension between the two of them. They, even though they're very different, huh. uh, they've always right. been able to, to, to work it out. So yeah, it's interesting. So they, you know, well, it's like, it, it's, it sounds like the band's founded on a friendship a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. we've talked about bands where it's like one dude makes all of music and other ones where it's like the guys are, you know, they're professional musicians who are like together because they've been in other bands and this works like, you know, Eddie Vedder, yeah. Eddie Vedder versus the rest of the band, right? Perry Farrell yeah. versus the rest of the band. And you're kind of like, yeah, you know, some of them were friends or not. It sounds like these two dudes like were, are just lifelong friends. They, they, you know, they with, are. With a, and I mean, obviously very similar backgrounds given they grew up in the same, you know, neighborhoods and same city and all this stuff or whatever. I mean, they, I guess they probably share a lot of the same values in terms of that commercializing sure. or whatnot, right? Integrity versus yeah. not integrity or what's a brand and what's exciting and, you know, doing the most good or, or lining their pockets the most or whatever. Um, that's interesting because usually it's always like one egomaniac, which obviously Gene is, oh, yeah. but it sounds like Paul Stanley is the sort of the outsider here, the abnormal kind of rock star? Well, I, so here's a good, good, good example of this. And this is really the last story I'll tell. Um, sure. So they, they now have a, a restaurant chain called Rock and Brews. Okay. Which is just your basic, you know, burgers and beer type restaurant. It's, 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 it's I think it's supposed to be like a kiss themed hard rock cafe, basically. Sure. Um, and they opened one in Dallas and the reporter um, and for the Dallas Observer goes and talks to Gene and Paul because they're there for the opening. And the first day, sure. it's only open to disabled veterans. And okay. the reporter's like, you know, this is weird because it's such a publicity stunt to have all these disabled veterans and invite all these reporters. And it's so transparent. But he said, uh, yeah. and being there, like, Paul Stanley's concern for disabled veterans seems really genuine. Like 
when I talk to him, he doesn't want to talk about Kiss. He doesn't really want to talk about the restaurant. He wants to talk about the disabled veteran. That's all he wants to talk about. It seems okay. really genuine. Like he's very. This is a, do this they, is an do issue. they have a history no. of that of sort of humanitarian? Well, sort of like I, uh, I, I think Paul more so than Gene. Um, okay. But he's like, no, Paul is, seems very genuine in his concern and interest for these guys. And then you talk to Gene Simmons and nope, he's here for the restaurant. And, you know, he'll talk about the veterans, but, you know, Gene famous, right. famously doesn't drink. And when you're like, so right. how do you line that up with opening a, a beer place a brew. called Rock and Brews? Yeah, right. And Gene is, yeah. he kind of laughs and he's like, well, if, someone's going to drink, shouldn't they have the best? <laughs> and he's like, it's just, he's so Gene Simmons. He just can't not right. be Gene Simmons all the time. And right. um, Gene has said things before where Paul is like very publicly, nope, he shouldn't have said that. I wish he wouldn't have said that. Um, you know, and that's it. It's not like the band is over. No. It's not like, let's go into court. Nope. They, they, they okay. both know the bigger picture. Um, they Neither one of them have any real substance abuse issues, which probably, like, that's probably huge. that makes that's a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, that makes a massive difference. Um, right. Total professionals. Um, Paul Stanley talks about. All right, this is the last story I'll tell. Uh, Paul's story. <laughs> Paul Stanley talks about. He tells a story how in the early '90s he was in Los Angeles and he got introduced to Guns N' Roses, and okay. he goes into this apartment that Guns N' Roses had rented while they were recording Use Your Loot. No, no, uh, Appetite. But okay. he was told by whoever, like, this band is great. You got to meet these guys. Yeah. And he said he goes in there and, um, like, Slash, he goes this curly-haired kid who Slash had actually met Paul Stanley when Slash was a kid. And right. somehow Paul knew that. But he's right. like, this kid that I'd met when he was a kid, like had turned into a junkie. He was passed out on the floor. Um, right. you know, Duff McKeegan was pretty nice to me. Um, I don't remember who else, Steve Adler, like he was passed out. Like it was like, these guys were a mess. They were an absolute mess. Right. And he goes, Axel, right. Axel Rose played a song for me. And I made a small suggestion, like maybe the chorus could be the start of the chorus, but then you add to it. And it builds even more. And he was like, that was the last time Axl Rose ever talked to me was when I right. made that suggestion. Um, and it just so happened to be Sweet Child of Mine. Yeah, yeah, whatever the song was. <laughs> and he said, like, but he said, like, they were junkies. Like, they were an absolute right. wreck. Um, he goes, yeah. and I, I couldn't believe that these guys were functioning. He goes, but when I saw them live um, that night, they were amazing. They blew me away. And I couldn't believe how great they were live. He goes, but then... Slash made some public comments about Paul Stanley about like speculating that maybe he was gay and what? said that he had a trophy wife with him at the show. And Paul was like, that wasn't a trophy wife. That was like a woman who worked with the record label who I've worked with for 20 years and whatever. Okay. Like he was like, he just like Paul Stanley and guns and roses to this day, like hate each other. And he said, <laughs> Slash. Gun, to be fair, Guns N' Roses hates a lot of mm -hmm. people, and a lot of people hate Guns N' Roses. They are, it seems like, awful people through and through. But he, he said Slash called him a few weeks after that show and was like, hey, man, do you think you could get me, like, this type of guitar or something like that? And Paul was like, are you fucking kidding me? 
<laughs> you know what you said about me in public? Like, have a nice life, dude. Fuck off. And right. he said, we've, we've yeah. never spoken since. Um, yeah. Like, Paul That's Stanley crazy. is a guy who just, he doesn't mess around. Like, he he's a good dude. Um, right. And I think the criticism of Kiss is that they are so commercial. Um, sure. And I think that's what people hate about them. But what I kind of like about them is just how open they are about it. They don't care. That's fine. But I, I think it's not just that they're open, but they're fucking pros. At oh, yeah. It. Like, I, I did not know a single Kiss song aside from the rock and roll all night until this time in my life. But I could tell you exactly what a Gene Simmons fire spitting. Oh, yeah. You know, he him like sort of on like uh, platform shoes like jam into the music mm-hmm. and then he's going to set his platform shoe down. And when he does fireworks come out of the back of the stage, yeah. you know, I, I could tell you all of these iconic things about kiss, but not a single song except for the one that I happen to know, which I, I presume everybody knows probably stunner and, um, you know, rock and roll all night. They just don't know it's a kiss song. Maybe, right. Um, I, maybe I'm way. I out. don't know if people um, know strutter. Maybe you heard it like in that, maybe you heard it right. like that Detroit rock city movie. Detroit Rock City right. was a movie that Kiss did have a hand in. Um, if uh-huh. people haven't seen it, like it's a pretty good movie. It came out in the early 2000s. And it's just a group of teenagers that are trying to make their way to a Kiss show. Like that's basically okay. right. Have you seen the movie? You, okay. know, you know the movie? I have not, but that was the song. That was a movie that uh, Everclear had the cover of that song. So that okay. makes sense. But the soundtrack's probably full of a bunch of bands. You know, paying tribute. Yeah, about. it's these kids basically in the outskirts of Detroit who are trying to yeah. like beg, borrow, and steal their way into a kiss show. Right. Um, right. It's a good movie. Oh yeah, movie it's, it's, that's kids. what it is. It's, yeah. it's 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 not a bad movie. I, I don't hate it. I've seen Co- it compared to the other one. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> compared to Kiss Me the Phantom. Uh, yes, it's right. better than that. Kiss okay. is not in this movie, um, but they did, uh, I guess, consult on it. Um, Ace freely claims that like his daughter was supposed to have a part in it, but it was cut because Gene Simmons was mad at him like that. There's that kind <laughs> right. of shit. But, um, you know, basically, no, it's, I think that kind of helped kiss. I think the TV show, well, cheapening kiss, uh, Gene Simmons TV show, I think it cheapened their reputation, but it increased their popularity. Um, I think so. Because I, I had no idea who they were. Again, I obviously never went and looked at albums because it didn't seem like my kind of music, really. But I definitely respected the same way as sort of the some kind of monster yeah. or the Sonic Highways things. The inside look, like what is it like? Like even if the three guys mock the other guy for being the businessman. Like this dude is going to bat every day, calling all these merchandisers and people who are like, "Hey, can we license your band?" He's like, "Yeah, let me get my lawyer, my team of lawyers, oh, yeah. because he's got so much shit going on." I mean, that's that's some shit, and as well as taking some time off and going to do concert tours mm-hmm. once in a while. I mean, that's a lot, man. The other guys, I don't think ever gave their consent to be in the show because when I watched it. Even when like I don't think I ever saw any no, of them. Because even even in the scenes where Kiss did have a show and like it followed him to the show, it never right. even showed any of the other guys. Um, yeah, like he would walk out on stage, and the angles would always be where it was just him. Um, so I don't think the other guys ever can. But you know, think about Ozzy's show. Did that help him? Like, do people think more of Ozzy because of that show? I don't. I didn't. I I think so. I didn't know who he was before. I'd heard of Black Sabbath. I've heard of him. And that's not fair. I did. I actually had that Osmosis record, and I like it quite a bit. I think it's really like a top, probably fifty record for me. It's like mm-hmm. really great. 
it came out. And so I knew from, from that. And then there was an Ozman Cometh thing that had like, it was a greatest hits set or whatever. So I learned about No More Tears and all these other songs, but I didn't know like who he was. I just thought he was just some rocker dude. Mm-hmm. And seeing that show like endeared me, endeared me to him for sure. Like, I, I don't know how anybody can walk away without thinking that Ozzy's kind of like a bumbling fool guy who did way too much drugs oh. and maybe still does or whatever, drinks way, way too much. And it's just like a sweetheart, just a, like a sweet little boy who sang. But, it, but, you know, it, but it also has these moments where you're like, man, if you think Ozzy is like, because I think this happened with the Gene Simmons show too. Where like, you know, there's a point where Ozzy is like um, on stage before, like rehearsing before the first show and like these bubbles come out on stage. And Ozzy's right. like stops a song and he's complaining. He's like, sharing these bubbles. I can't do them. The fucking Prince of Darkness. I can't have bubbles on stage. <laughs> and Sharon's like, okay, we'll take care of it. And then it cuts, it right. cuts to the next night and it's opening night. And there's just bubbles all around him. And he's like, hello, Albuquerque. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, just, you, you had painted him as a guy who like has absolutely no say or control over what he's doing. <laughs> Gene Simmons was the opposite where it painted him as a guy who has so much control um, and right. so much say. And I didn't even talk about his family, but like he's married to a porn star and. Right. Um, and she was his girlfriend oh, yeah. that show. I think the finale was kind of them getting married or something like that. There, were, there yeah. was some scandal where he was quote cheating. And I was like, wait, no one knew this. Like, right. Exactly. He's talked, yeah, he talks about this like, all the time. Which, what, which why time is this, is yeah. This why probably, is this a part of the show? Know? Like he's open about this. Um, right, exactly. It was pretty contrived. There were a lot of scenes where I watched it and I was like, okay, so they just like, clearly this is very staged and right, there was exactly. a lot of that, yeah. but you do get a right. sense of who Gene Simmons is. And he is a guy who just wants to make more money. Like, and he's <laughs> right. a guy who's life, and he's like not a musician anymore. You know, he's, 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 he's a business. No, that's man. the thing. And it's funny. Cause I've seen like clips of them playing, like there's YouTube of them, like playing like a, um, like a charity show or like a private show, uh, right. you know, where some rich guy paid him like 250,000 to just come play in his backyard. Um, sure. and they're just up there in their blue jeans and t-shirts and you're like, Oh, Gene Simmons plays bass and right. Sings, exactly. And he's actually not bad. And you forget He's made you forget about that. Like he, right. he is almost more proud of his business acumen than he is as a musician. Very much right. so. Right. He's also yeah. made some troubling comments through the years um, that people <laughs> have tried to quote cancel him for. Um, just general comments about minorities and things like that. Um, oh, interesting. He's made some like, like a real, a real New York dude, right? Yeah. Where like he grew up on this block and that block. So anybody who grew up on different well, blocks of any kind of race or country of origin, he made some statements about Muslims that I, I can, okay. I can see at a certain time in this country, a lot of people would have made those statements, um, mm-hmm. and and he did maybe a couple of years after it was okay to do so. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he was on, um, typical, typical big brand trying to, you know, cash in on the meme yeah. three years after the meme. Was he, he was on, he was on fresh air with Terry gross. And I think he made a sexual comment towards her. Um, okay. it was something like, if you're going to open your heart to me, you have to open your legs too. 
um, which is a, a quote, isn't that on brand as well? Isn't a, that probably how he well, talks a, to women and men? It's actually a, you it's know, actually a quote from a Who song um, called "You is called it? You Better You Bet." Um, okay, but I, from what I understand, Fresh Air did not air it, and Crazy. Gene Simmons actually will not allow it to be aired to this day. Um, huh. So you know, there's been some things like that that he's done. Yeah, um, whereas Paul Stanley, if you look at his like Instagram, man, he's just, he's grilling in his backyard. He's on vacation with his family. He's <laughs> just, he's just happy. He's happier than he's ever been in his life. And, um, right. you know, it's just, they're just, they're very different people, but that's what makes a band. Yeah. You know, that's what makes a band is okay. very different people. And that's what they are. Kiss is a that's brand. Awesome. Kiss is characters. They're not people. Um, Kiss, I think, will continue on forever. Paul Stanley says, if it looks like Kiss and sounds like Kiss, it's Kiss. Um, right. And I think he really means that. I don't think this band is ever going away. I think they will, right. they will okay. always be a Kiss. So that's, right. that's Kiss. Okay. That's it. So uh, that, that's great. Uh, do you mind if I ask you the usual closing Let's questions? Let's do it. Okay. Uh, obviously, you would trade bank accounts with some people in this band. I think that's a, a foregone conclusion. I think any... Well, maybe some of the um, the side guys, some of the, the side guys, were guys like, that were hired in the '80s that like kind of came and went. So if you, yeah, but sure. there were not as many of those guys. So if you told me to draw out of a hat and trade bank accounts with any of these guys, yeah, I'd probably do it. Crazy, yeah, probably. Okay, because you, you think about Ace Freely. Like, so it wasn't it wasn't a rotating list of like seven different guitarists no, while Ace were, was gone. No, it was like were, one dude, and there's twelve albums that are moderately successful. He's mm-hmm. making money even by himself. No, there were guys right. who came in for like one album, and then it was like, oh, that's not a good fit. We're gonna fire him. Um, then they will hire okay. another guy um, and put him in a new costume. What they do now is the guys now. Are like the lead guitar player. He is in the spaceman costume, and the drummer is oh, in so the it cat. Used to be, okay, yeah. right. So it was like they literally had a whole different. Yes. You know, instead of the cat, it's like the dog. Yes, or yes, something. that's what it was. Or, but what they what? did was okay. So after Ace and Peter left after the the reunion tours, right. Kiss bought from them the character, the rights, and, right. and Paul crazy. Paul kind of took a shot at them like. They probably could have gotten more out of this, but you know they yeah, sold it for not right. very much. So sure. we bought the characters. So yeah, but again, this is Ace, who's like, I doesn't see like marketing a fucking guitar strap. They're like, hey, look, all right, look, dude, we're gonna give you. I know it's not a lot, but half a million dollars, so that we can say somebody else is your character on stage. And he's like, okay. Think of it this way: if Ace, I mean, just think about your life now, and think about your Ace right. freely. And there right. are clubs all over the country who will pay you ten grand a night to right. play. Man, you're still banking. <laughs> like you're, yeah, you're, oh yeah, hundred percent. If you play a hundred shows, you've made a million dollars. Right. You know, yep. like you're doing yeah. fine. So yep. um, I, I I think those guys are okay. And yes, I would happily trade bank accounts. Okay. Who would you kick out if you had to kick one of them? If, uh, I, if, if I had, if, if we're talking four original members, and you sure. and you told me you've got to choose three, um, and you sure. can't have one of them, I would probably kick yeah. out Peter, uh, the drummer. Okay. Because I think okay. to me, Ace's guitar parts they're a little bit more raw, um, but you know you. 
how many bands do we know where it's like, yeah, when the original members get together, it's not as clean, but it's more raw and it's just better. It's just their mix. It's just of their how mix. They come together. It's like Neil Young and right. Crazy Horse versus Neil Young with a right. bunch of hired hands. Um, yep. And and that's yep. Kiss, and I think Ace is more important to that mix than Peter. Okay, Ace is Ace is more okay. Ace is more laid back. Um, yeah. And I think his his songs that he sings are better. Okay. Cool. Um, okay. When you when you listen to this band, what is it? What's the setup? You know, if you're having like a threesome or something, Kiss is perfect. <laughs> they're kind of they're kind of that okay. kind of we'll, band. We'll leave it to another episode <laughs> to figure out if that's a personal account or <laughs> maybe if you're driving around. Okay, maybe I, if you're driving around in your Camaro iRock um, in your moment, okay. like Kiss is good. I just know that the guy who has the gray haired ponytail. And the guy, and the guy who has the kiss tattoo, they're the same person. Yes, like their right. the Venn diagram is right. just one big circle. <laughs> That's true. Okay, okay. Um, where do you rate this band? This is top ten, top thirty? No, I, I might say top twenty. I wouldn't say top ten. Really? But I might say top twenty. So do you, do you actively listen to them quite a bit? I do. Or do you go I'll, through a I'll phase when you're No, I mean, I did go through a phase in the late nineties. Um, especially sure. around the time I went to see them. So I knew I was going to see them and I had seen Detroit rock right. city, uh, the movie. Sure. And I was, I was kind of interested, but it's, but it's in not that. like, it's not like uh, rumors or Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. or something where you're just like randomly cleaning the house. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm putting on, you know, psycho circus or anything. No, not really. I think, um, I mean, listen, I, well, again, this point in my life, we've talked about this before. Like I don't listen to as much hard rock as I used to anyway. Um, right, I'm sure. almost 40. Like, it's just not what I listen to. It much if anymore. you do, do you ever think of Kiss anymore? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. No. You could put on their yeah. first album. It's good. It's a good listen. It's, it's easy. Cool. It's not hard to listen to, but it's just power chords. Besides the concept album, is, is it like there's two or three gyms in here? Or is it like the concept album is the one to avoid and everything else is pretty much I, I actually think you could listen to a lot of Kiss albums and you could hear a song after song and be like, wait, wasn't, isn't this the same song? Like it's all <laughs> just like little guitar riff intro, drums kick in, vocals, guitar, just the Beatles, guitar the solo. Beatles template. Um, okay. It's yeah. just, man, but, they just, they knew what worked for a while. Right. And they, and, and they just yeah. did it over and over again. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So it's the kiss sound, but it's a, yeah, a particular song structure or not. Okay. Um, let's see. What other bands or musicians? I mentioned that I thought in passing Grateful Dead is kind of like it. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, just like generic, like hard rock to some degree, but like Americana I, of hard rock. Okay, right? here's, here's, here's what I think about. Uh, not thinking about their influences. The Beatles were their biggest influence. Um, right. But jump ahead to a few years ago when they get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So they, uh-huh. they've got enough street cred but they get inducted into the hall of fame tom morello inducts them right so tom morello like i think we all respect him right like yeah. he's he's legit he's, is he a huge yeah, kiss fan? he's legit and he is yeah. a massive yeah. kiss fan and he's right. he said this he went through like a criteria of what makes a great rock and roll band 
and it's a great speech. Okay. And Tom Morello is a super smart guy. He has like a degree from Harvard. Definitely. Like he's a, he's really, really intelligent. Um, right, absolutely. And Tom Morello, his last criteria was the last criteria is when you see this band live, do they kick ass? And when you see Kiss, the answer is yes. They kick right. ass. And I would say they have more bands that were influenced by them than they were influenced by. Right. I think that's, okay. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, definitely. It mentions Beatles and like Jimmy Page and some of the, the usual actors, Eric Clapton, I think, but like, yeah, not, not a ton. Yeah. But, but, uh, but I think of other bands that you probably didn't think of like the New York dolls, like a band, right, it mentioned them. Yeah, a ba- it mentioned them bands that like were just outrageous. Like bands that just were so outside the box that people had to notice them. Like that's what influenced right. them almost more right. than anything. Right. So we mentioned like that there's movies and stuff. It sounds like it's easy to be a Kiss fan. Like there's just tons and tons of stuff, tons of YouTube oh, yeah. stuff. You mentioned that there's like independent autobiographies or solo records that all came out at the same time. Have these guys been in other bands or there's the reality TV show, Mm -hmm. right? About Gene Simmons. Have they been in other bands? There's other stuff that's like, man, if you ever start getting into them, do not miss whatever the unplugged video or this other book that, you know, uh, was made about them, documentary movies. So I think kiss alive was their first live album. Um, okay. it's what really launched them. That was a huge album okay. for them. And sure. I think, um, that would be a good place to start. Um, I, you know, if, I don't know that it was an official video, but on YouTube, their first big reunion show at Tiger stadium. Um, that's the whole a, show is, man, that, is that's, that the one that you sent me. Yeah. There's a whole, sh- the, the whole, oh. the whole show is on that. That was their first show back together. Um, okay crazy and it's great and you that was their first show back in makeup in like 17 years right um and man that's cool you can see just how into it the crowd is there's another uh there's another youtube video called like kiss tiger stadium behind the scenes and it's not really behind the scenes it's just a guy who was in the crowd who had a camera and you can just see how fired up the crowd is like As they're coming in, like before the show starts, like the sun is still up, stadium's full, and people are just, they're going crazy. And like, that's a a great place. Um, The Detroit Rock City movie, that kind of really piqued my interest. Um, Okay. That's just a good example of what the KISS fandom was like back when they were really at their peak in the late 70s. Okay. Interesting. Um, All right. It's a it's a fun movie. I mean, it's not great. Didn't win any awards, but um, I don't think it's a bad movie. Um, Now I saw it when I was like eighteen. So, what I think it's a bad movie now, maybe, but I don't know. (laughs) It's probably not a bad place Uh, to start. But also, I would say this: there is a MTV behind the music. So you know, these behind the music were all one hour. Um, MTV did a two hour for Kiss called Kiss and Makeup. I think. Uh-huh. It was either that or Kistery. I think Gene okay. Simmons' book was called Kiss and Makeup. Um, okay. the, the behind the music was called Kistery. And it's awesome. That's really good. That's okay. really, really good. Really insightful. 
one thing about them is that they are pretty much an open book. Like they don't beat yeah. around the bush about stuff. They will tell you exactly what happened and how and when, and they're not secretive at all. Not at all. Right. And there's, they don't have a, they don't have an image to maintain so much anymore. Like they basically, they, they have definitely taken their licks, right. Or well, whatever over time. There's some sort but, of, uh, they, there's some sort of freedom that comes with just saying, this is our image. And we want this to be our image. And here's how we got this is it. How it works. Yeah. This is how it yes. works, kids. This is capitalism. This is, this is, right? this is it. And so there's, yeah, there's that, that documentary is really interesting. The four autobiographies are really interesting. I have not read Peter Chris's. Um, Ace Frehley's is good. Uh, Paul Stanley's is probably the best because he's probably just the most honest. Um, Gene Simmons is, I mean, his autobiography is really good. Um, so yeah, if you have time to blow through four autobiographies, they're, they're all, I mean, they're great. I've, I've seen great things about Peter Chris's. They're good. They're really good. They're really interesting. Great. Okay, cool. Um, I gotta ask if you're recommending somebody getting into this, like this really sounds like one of those bands where it's like, man, obviously the records are available right now, but if at all possible, don't even bother and wait until you could see them live. Like that, that is the way to experience kiss. Yeah. It's, it's hard to get into them on the music alone. I think anybody will admit that their music alone, um, is relatively mediocre. Um, I don't think it's bad. Well, it did, the, the stuff you sent to me, maybe it's like, maybe it's non-representative, but it was like, it was good. No, rock. I sent you. I, I don't, sent, I don't know if they had, I don't know if they had contemporaries that were like, you know, th that there's copying or something, but it sounded to me like, I was like, well, is this one of those bands where everybody who listened to them, like Tom Morello, for example, yeah. like, even if it's not highly influenced with their exact playing style is subconsciously or something. Mm. Cause it's, you know, it's a very generic middle of the road, but maybe they're just like one of the Beatles, you know, copycats kind of but, of song structure. But and that's it. I think uh, the two go hand in hand. I think the music okay. would not have gained the attention that it did without the image and the show, and and, okay, and vice right. versa. The show would have been a flop if not for the fact that the music was legit. And so, right, true, true. The music itself, I don't know how well it stands alone, and it's hard to quantify that because I've never known the two independently. You know, I've always just the first known time them. you got into them was when you saw them, or um, the first time I did any real deep dive. What I did, and I recommend this because it's a good, um, it's a good, it's a good dive into their songs. Um, it's just a, uh, a greatest hits album called Greatest Kiss. Okay. And just listen to that. Just give okay. that a spin, start to finish. Um, and that is a really good representation of Kiss. It has songs from all four members. It has hits from every era. Um, okay. That's, that's the album that right. I bought when I was like a teenager. And I listened to it right. a lot. I listened to it a lot. And I still listen to it to this day. Okay. Any other albums that you listen to? Like from them, like specifically listen to like Destroyer is one I saw in the title of. No, I do. Their first album I kind of like. It has okay. uh, Strutter and Deuce um, okay. on it, two pretty good songs. Ace Freely's solo album I like. Remember when they did those okay. four solo albums? Ace Freely's is right. pretty good. Um, okay. I like that one. It makes me wish he had done more stuff like that. Sure. Um, those are the two that I would stray outside of the greatest hits. Um, 
Okay. Psycho Circus, I don't know how good it is outside of the first couple of songs. I've never given it really a sure. good deep listen. But also okay. the live albums. Those are okay. real calling card of KISS are the live albums. So like KISS okay. Alive, especially the first one. Um, and then the Unplugged album. The Unplugged album is actually legitimately really good. And I, that's awesome. And I think, Do they kind of rework the songs yeah, like oh, you yeah. mentioned? Like where it's like no, okay, they had to, cool. and and they said like they would they watched Unplugged, um, and they saw other bands that were actually plugging their acoustic guitars in like, right, and they didn't want to do that. Like they have their right. instruments with microphones in front of the guitar. That's awesome. Like doing yeah, it truly, yeah, yeah. they wanted to do it right, and right, That's man, cool. it sounds good. And I think it sounds so good because leading up to that, they had been doing this acoustic tour of KISS conventions <laughs> leading up to it. Yeah. But also, right. one, one of my favorite parts of any KISS album is in that Unplugged album where they bring out Ace and Peter for the first time in like 15 uh-huh. years. And Ace plays his first song and the crowd is so into it. They're so fired up. They can't believe this is happening. And it's a really cool moment that's captured on that album. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, that's Kiss. That's, that's pretty Kiss. cool.